fight We don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to fight Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode 98, and this time around, I've got a returning guest who was originally here on episode 14 way back in January of 2020. He's an exceptionally talented photographer whose work has been featured in Esquire, National Geographic, Wired Magazine, and other notable publications. But before we get into it, I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you would prefer an audio-only version of the podcast, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you're listening to me on one of those platforms, though, and you didn't realize there was a visual side to this show, I'd encourage you to please come check it out here on YouTube. If you do come over to the visual side of things, I would really appreciate it if you would hit the subscribe button. You don't have to, but it really helps me to keep growing this channel, and I love connecting with new people. So if you're just jumping in now or you've been a supporter for a long time, thank you so much. It really does mean the world to me. If you'd like to reach out, maybe with a cool guest idea or some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up on social media or send me an email at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. While you're doing that, let me know if you have interest in one of these holofoil stickers with the show's logo on it, and I will mail you one free of charge. Uh, lastly, I got to announce, uh, probably for the last time before it happens, the 100th episode we're doing live at Yuck Yucks. We have an amazing panel of stand-up comics that I'm going to be interviewing, including Derek Sege, who is one of the funniest comics working in Canada today, and local acts like Christina Muehlberger, Jeff Davis, and Kia Mazar. So get your tickets now before they sell out. Hopefully we'll sell out. Uh, and I'll have some of these stickers there too and some other stuff to give away. So it should be a great time. Now, back to the man of the hour, as I often say. It's so good to have him back in here. He is one of the most exploratory photographers, I would say. The stuff he does is very artistic, very creative. If he's not taking hyper-realistic photos of wax sculptures of celebrities, he's taking aerial shots of amazing superhighways, or he's working with Maddie Matheson, which is another new development I can't wait to talk about. I'm talking about Peter Andrew Lustig. Thank you so much for coming back, man. Thank you very much for having me. I got to say, the introduction is so professional-sounding. Uh... Like, like, you know, it, uh, it made me start to feel nervous <laughs> to be oh, really? a little bit. I was like, oh my God, it's like to hear you like go through the whole, uh, you know, promoting all your stuff, all the awesome stuff you're doing and to just kind of like hear you like, you know, say like, oh, you can hear me on Spotify or Apple podcasts or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, it's like, it's actually, this is know, real. This is totally. And I don't, I don't even maybe in the last episode we did together, maybe, maybe you had that whole spiel before. I don't think I did. But, it, but if, uh, it felt, uh, yeah, like I felt myself start to get nervous when you're doing all that. <laughs> I'm probably just giving off nervous vibes because like I was saying before we started, I always for some reason get all antsy during the intro part. I don't know why. Maybe because it's just me talking for an extended period I of time. I understand. But your yeah, your voice is you've definitely really found your voice. Like it sounds really, really good. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Man. And when you came last time, I think I had seventy five subscribers or something, and now we're pushing two thousand. So good for you, man. We're That's getting, amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. Been, I, I really think that the uh, it's such a testament to how good the podcast is, how long the longevity of it and how how much it's expanded. So I'm really honored to be back on here. Thank you for letting me do this. I'll do this anytime I'm in Ottawa, by the way. Of course. I love, I love hanging out with you. So, oh, I love reconnecting with you too. And we got to say a shout out to Mr. Terry Wildgust, yes. who is also a past guest of this show, but another uh, Colonel By alumni. Yeah. So this is kind of like a Beacon Hill reunion here. It's amazing. Yeah. Thanks for so doing. So thanks, this, man, because I know you had to get your kids babysat and all that. So I do appreciate it. Yeah. My, no problem. My dad is uh, off in Toronto for this weekend, so he couldn't be here, but he did want me to say hi to you and, and pass on a hello. Thank you very much. Uh, your dad's a cool guy. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, well. Let's talk about uh, everything that's been going on in your life, because you have continued to astound me with your posts on Instagram and your work is just always flawless. Thank you. Uh, it's really nice to hear that. I definitely don't feel that way. I've been 
you know, trying to just keep my head above water. I've been slammed with, uh, with work this year more than I think I ever have before. And I'm really trying to find time to work on my own creative stuff. But I just feel like, um, you know, there's so much going on in terms of like the commercial work and advertising. And I, and I feel blessed that I have so much on the go, but it's just, it's real tough to just kind of keep myself from freaking out sometimes. Like, um, and I'd really like to focus a lot more on doing personal work. And that's sort of a big goal of mine for the remainder of the year. But I feel like I've just been like, Try not to freak out 90% of the day, every day for the last three months. <laughs> a little overwhelming. Oh, man, it's really overwhelming, yeah. Well, it doesn't yeah. show in your work, that's for yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, like, I just, like, it was weird. Like, I I had, you know, the pandemic happen. I was kind of talking about this yesterday, but, like, the pandemic happened and everything just kind of, like, ground to a halt. Um, and, uh, you know, there was, like, a couple months there where I remember I was living up north in my cottage and just, like, the email stopped one day, the phone call stopped one day. I didn't get into my car for, you know, the better part of two months. I was just kind of like watching it in the, you know, in the driveway of the, of the cottage, just sitting there. And I was just kind of like, there's what's going to happen. And then, you know, it slowly started to creep back. And then, and then now I just feel like it's like this tidal wave of like never ending emails and phone calls. Everything's and full force. I'm again. super lucky. And I, I know it sounds like I'm like bitching about being successful, but it is, it is a bit overwhelming. And I feel like I'm just like always racing with never enough time. Like, it's like, I, I, it, it's tough, man. Like I was watering my plants yesterday. I'm like, fuck, I gotta go. I gotta pack up the car. We gotta go to Ottawa. And like, I just feel it's just this, like this race, this race, this race, this race. And I just feel like it's, it's, I don't know if this keeps going like this, I'm worried I'm going to turn into one of those, like, you didn't come here just for this, though, right? No, okay. <laughs> I, but I would if you invite me. I, I, it's a great excuse to see my parents and to see, oh, yeah, that's see true. the old hood and stuff. So, yeah. I, I, But I, my brother's having a summer solstice party. Cool. It's really cool. That's my, today? My, it's today. Okay. My brother's, you know, I always say this, too, but he's way cooler than I am. And he's got this gorgeous place in... Uh, in the like in uh, in Gatineau in, in Chelsea, and he uh, he organizes a, a winter solstice and then a summer solstice, and this is the summer solstice dinner, and he goes all out. There's like seven courses. Oh, Him geez. and his girlfriend are amazing. Like they. She bakes and cooks and he cooks and he's, you know, been making stuff for like a week. And after this, you know, uh, my girlfriend and I, our job is to go and pick flowers to like bring like a, a bouquet to the thing and make a cheese tray. And it's really, really nice. Very lavish. Uh, it's very lavish. Cool. It's very, um, you know, it's kind of like seance-ish too, because it's like a solstice thing. So there's always some kind of ritual that he wants us to do. And stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be tired tonight and full of food. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's crazy that the last time you were here was pre pandy. I know right before, right before. Right before. Well, and we were saying the night before Strombo came on the show too, which was another, a huge pivotal moment for this program. I think so too. Yeah. I remember texting you after you left and saying like, I think, I think I've got an interview with Strombo. Happening. I, I had a feeling when I came here and like did the, you know, and like I would have done this even if, if there was no microphones, like if you, if you want to meet up for coffee and talk for an hour, I would yeah. love to do that. But like, I remember coming here and kind of not knowing what to expect. And I was, I was so blown away by what you're doing down here. And I, I knew that something like that was just in the cards for you, that you're going to get some like major guest or some major breakthrough. But I remember like the next day you're like, I can't believe it. <laughs> Strombolopagus is on my show tonight. And I was just like, wow, was, that was fast. Yeah, I think that the episode I did with you the last time was one of the ones I remember feeling like I was finally hitting my stride and mm -hmm. really feeling a little more comfortable doing this because yeah. I watched some of the the really single digit episodes and cringe pretty hard. But that's cool. Every every podcast that has longevity has to have those that progression. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, I'm glad the pandemic is over and we can do this. I mean, for a while we had a glass thing here oh, and man. Yeah. brutal Zoom yeah. interviews are, you know, not ideal. It's weird that, you know, it feels like it was like 10 years ago, but it was just last 
like whatever, like 2022, I remember like in January, you know, there's usually that like rush to go to the gym after the holidays or whatever. Yeah. Like, the gyms were still closed. Like it wasn't that long ago. Like really wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But it was still full force. Like the masks just came off like in March 2022. And like, I don't Thank know. God though. Yeah. Oh I mean, dude, I'm with you, man. I, I had enough of that pretty pretty fast. As a business owner, um, it was really, really hard to watch like everything just kind of grind to a halt. Oh, so many businesses went out of business too. Sure. I'm a photographer, man. Like, yeah. it's, but at least you're like freelance. You can sort of pivot to what, where the work is to some degree, right? To a point, but it was still, it's just, it's terrifying to like have that. I mean, I, in the lead up, like right after I sort of had the last podcast with you, I was, um, building this project, which was going to be the biggest uh, photography project I had ever done. It was through an advertising agency called BBDO. And the client was uh, this furniture company. And it was this big, you know, this big, massive uh, production. It was like, you know, almost a $100,000 budget. There's going to be trucks showing up with food and product and, you know, crew and their Damn. studios rented. And it was like, and, and like, we were kind of working on it, working on it with calls every day and back and forth with the client and, and with the advertising agency right up until the very, very, very last minute. And then one day it was just like, we have to put this on hiatus indefinitely. And it was like a really like soul crushing, like moment for me to just realize that like, no, this is, this is it. Like, Did that ever come to fruition or had to be It came back as like a smaller version of itself in like May mm. of 2020. We had to, I had to pretend I was working without anybody in the room. Like we were doing it all over Zoom, um, which was... I mean, it was, uh, it was, a yeah, like it was uh, nice to be working again, but it was real weird. And, and you had like to scale small, things down. So scale much. things down. Yeah. It was like a smaller version of itself. And then there was like the big one never happened, but then there's like sort of three little ones that kind of added up to the same amount of, you know, budget. But it was, uh, it was, it was still tough. Like we were looking for locations, I remember, and it was all like, you know, consent forms and certain people wouldn't, it was before the vaccine too. So it was mm. like, you know, like there's only so many people allowed on set. It was just such a, like a, you know, like a ball and chain on everybody doing productions that way. Yeah. And I feel like film and, and, and photography too, like they really aired on the side of like over caution. Like I know a lot of my friends in Toronto work in film in various capacities and special effects or scenic or makeup or whatever. And they were still like, well, after the mask mandate was lifted, they like really like kept up the like testing and everything like that. I think they really like aired on the side of caution for better or for worse. But like, I feel like everybody who worked in that industry had like a really profound COVID experience. Like I was going to say everyone in the film and television, television industry probably more than most got swabbed i think hundreds and hundreds of times to a point where they're probably just used to it yeah for sure yeah um but we'll see i mean i i'm i'm super lucky like it definitely bounced back for me i a lot of good stuff came out of the pandemic for me as well like i think i really had to like sort of like look at who I am and what I want to do with my life and readdress like how much I was drinking and you know mm. what, what kind of person I want to be and like you know not having that like idle time you know I think was really good for some people and really bad for some people. And my personal experience was really bad for me. Like I went through, I think, I mean, I didn't call it that, but I think looking back on it, like a bit of like a depression, just watching like the sort of like business I had built shrink and contract and, like, and not knowing when it was going to come and, like, back. Yeah. You know, like I'm, um, at the time I was almost 40 years old and like 500 bucks. Hand so a bit of, of a midlife crisis, maybe, maybe and tied like, in there and 500 bucks a week, you know, like it's good that nobody got, you know, everyone's getting money. No one's going to starve to death, but like, it's not going to keep my, business afloat. Like I had, um, studios and car leases and, you know, like a mortgage yeah. and, and it was just like, you know, I, I need to be working and, and it was, you know, it was pretty scary. And I just like sat in a cabin and like drank and talked on the phone with my friends for two weeks at the very beginning of it. And that kind of got 
depressing after a while and well at the beginning it kind of felt like it was like the apocalypse or something a little bit. you know and it was just like are we ever going to come back from this and then when we realized it wasn't but it just kept going and going then it was just the fatigue of like oh my god when is this going to turn around and you'd think you know things would open back up for a bit and then it would come back and yeah it was such a roller coaster of emotions i think that if you didn't have a mental health crisis during the <laughs> pandemic then you're the standout you know yeah i think almost everybody had some sort of metamorphosis happen to them I think so too. Um, I, I started off really unhealthy and then I got really healthy. Like I just turned all my like feeling sorry for myself into exercise and work. I was going to say, you look super healthy. Although I thought you looked really healthy the last time I you were here, it. but that was pre pandemic, I suppose. Yeah, pre pandemic. Yeah. And I think I'd just done a month of no drinking when I, uh, when I was on here last. Um, but you know, now it's like going on three years of no drinking. So, oh shit. Yeah. Well, Terry hasn't had a drink since like October, right? Yeah, that's right. October. Wow. Congrats, dude. It's a, it feels good, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I, I, I've drank my face off from the time I knew you guys in high school right up until, uh, like right up until a few years ago. And like, I feel like I just, uh, it was like, it was like trying to swim with like lead shoes on. Like as soon as like the initial, like getting used to not being drunk all the time or hung over all the time went away. But like, just like the, how easy things seem to have become and more know, energy, more and, energy. Yeah. I think maybe I threw myself into work a little more than is healthy. Like I just, that, that like that, like hangover, like two hours or an hour on either side of the hangover of just kind of like doing nothing uh, that turned into like, okay, I'm going to respond to the email. I'm going to reach out to this person. And that sort of like, so I think maybe finding some kind of balance where I'm not just like, you went from alcoholic to workaholic to a little bit. Sort of. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> but that's and still way better. And still way better. Absolutely. Like I, my relationship with my family my parents, you know, like, like I, I it, it, it improved tremendously, but, um, yeah, this is making me feel like I have shit willpower listening to you two and your lo dude, long, if, if, I could, if I knew how to drink like a normal, you know, like a normal person and like a couple beers at this barbecue I'm going to tonight, for instance, like, uh, you know, I, I would do it. Like it's, if it's not a hindrance and it kind of feels good, like, you know, great. Yeah. But it's like, for me, it's like, I know exactly the, the path. Like it's like a couple beers turns into a couple beers a night, turns into like a couple beers a night, plus getting wasted on the weekend. And it turns into like yeah. getting wasted almost every day. And then I'm, yeah, I've had those times <laughs> where like I, I drink a lot one night and then the next day I justify the hangover drink. Yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll take the edge off or whatever. And then you're like, oh shit, well, that's another day I'm drinking now. I almost feel like that was my favorite kind of drinking. Yeah. Like my favorite kind of drinking was like hair the hang of, the yeah, the hair of the dog, like the 11 a.m. crack a beer and like it's sunny outside on a Saturday morning. Oh, like, yeah. I still feel nostalgia for Dude, it. Dude, whenever it's sunny out, I am driven to go and hit up a patio. Like it's, yeah. it's just innate, you mm -hmm. know, but, but I've, yeah, I've struggled with this kind of stuff. I, I'm sure I mentioned in March when we were doing the podcast, I was planning on not drinking all of April. I think I did like a good week and a half and then it's sort of kind of declined back into regular drinking mode. It's tricky with the friends. Like that's yes, the part. Social that yeah, that's, and it's weird. I'm kind of coming to terms with that now, like almost three years into this thing. Like at first I feel like I, I succeeded in quitting drinking by and large, you know, knock on wood, because I'd done, I'm going to do a month off. I'm going to do three months off. I'm going to do a week off and, and successfully done that. And, and, and I knew, and I, in anticipation of this one, which didn't, oh, by the way, I wasn't like, I'm never drinking again. I'm like, I'm going to do a month off a month turned into six months, six months into the year. My life felt better. I'm like, I'm never drinking again. That's kind of where I'm at. But I think that knowing what people were going to be like when you're the guy at the party, not holding a beer, like I, I already had had that experience by 
trying to stop for a few months at a time. So I wasn't like shocked when like the first cottage weekend I went to, I knew what to expect. Mm. But now like three years in this thing where I'm kind of looking around, I'm like, huh, like people don't really reach out to me as much as they used to. And it's because I'm not a guy you can go you don't wanna, they, get pissed up yeah, with. Yeah, you're not you going to get crushed beers. With no, them. and like, and I get it. Like that's kind of what I was looking for when I was, you know, Drinking. Well, it's people to like sort of uh, justify Make their actions by it. being surrounded by other people doing the same, you know? Yeah. So like, so like, you know, it's, it's cool now. Like I have or still have a, an amazing group of friends, but it's like, you know, this guy we go running or this guy I, I hit tennis balls with, or this guy, you know, like Find we, we other go to the gym or whatever, but it's not the same. It's not that same bonding really is like getting wasted and telling secrets, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> no, I hear that. I mean, I'm so vain that honestly, the the time that I really reel it in with my drinking is when I start to feel like I'm packing on pounds or I'm really bloated in the face or my skin is getting shitty. Mm -hmm. And then I'm usually able to take like a nice break and go, okay, yeah. And, but then as soon as I feel like I'm back where I want to be, I'm like, yeah, I could go for a beer, you know, yeah. I've earned it now or whatever. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. I, I look, man, like, listen, I'm the first guy to tell you, like I loved getting buzzed. I love the adventure. Like I, you know, I've done like, so you don't smoke weed anymore. I quit smoking weed when I was, like 29. Oh, I think we talked about this. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And then, and then, like, to be honest, like with the drinking, it's like, I actually quit drinking, but with the weed, like here and there, I'll like take a sip of one of those weird weed drinks. Oh yeah. Those are all right. I was at a concert last summer and I took a puff of a joint and like, it's crazy. It feels like the first time yeah. I smoke like weed. You're 13 like, it's again like, or something. It feels like I'm on fucking acid or something. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm thinking about my life, my parents, my relationships, my, you know, you know, I'm thinking about the way that the trees are like combined with the animals that live in them. And it's all part of the cause. <laughs> like, it's like that full experience. Yeah. It's not just like getting high and I can like go do a photo shoot or anything like that. Like, you know, when you get used to it, I was like smoking weed all the time. I'd smoke weed and, and, and go into a, into a corporate meeting and, and do fine because you're yeah. just used to it. Yeah. Yeah. But now well, there's like, a functional pothead for sure. Of people like Seth Rogen and shit, absolutely. you know, like, like it, very some successful. people it works for. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, but then like, when I was like right, right before my 30th birthday, I smoked a joint and like had like an out of body experience and thought I was having a heart attack. And I'm like, right, uh, you know, what? fuck this. And That's some sativa right there. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. It was, uh, we probably talked about this on the podcast, but regardless, it was like right in the era when like vaporizers had first come out. So much more potent. And I'd never tried one before. Yeah. And I like smoked my friend's vaporizer a bunch and then like stood up and like walked outside and he was like, okay, man, I gotta go. I gotta be like in Narnia. And I was, <laughs> yeah. And I was like by myself on the side of the road, like not knowing like, you know, like where, where, where my, I think hand. you did tell me this yeah, story. And then yeah. that, that was it. Like I was, I was kind of like, that's when the smoking weed every day sort of stopped. What about uh, mushrooms? You ever double? I used to fuck with mushrooms a lot in high school, but it's been probably like, done mushrooms with you guys at some yeah, point. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> but know. in your adult life, never gone back down that No, nah, like I, I, uh, I, I, like it, it just stems from like a really bad experience. I had a mushroom mm. freak out when I was probably like 19. I was, it was in Toronto. I was in university. I was living in uh, like university residence, my first year university. And I had a mushroom freak out and I was just like, fuck that. I'm not doing it ever again. I've been uh, tempted to. You can buy them now. Like there's at least two stores in Ottawa that are so here, here shroom have, stores now. I just remembered this. This is post not drinking. Uh, I have a friend of mine uh, and he's an amazing dude, like nerds out about every single thing he does. He's one of those guys where if he's, he's like restoring a sailboat right now. And I'm sure when it's done, the sailboat's going to be like fit to sail across the Atlantic. Like whatever he does is done like super, super well. So he grows mushrooms. And he's an expert at everything. So anyways, but he's like, you got to try them. He's like, I've been microdosing. I feel way better, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
I don't know, man, I don't like mushrooms. I freaked out when I was in university. I don't think I should do them. He's like, just take one. It's, you won't even feel it. You won't even feel well, it. Well, microdose, yeah. Dude, I went to dinner on this like microdose and oh, I'm no. like, sitting there <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm on fucking shrooms. This is horrible. You had the full on. Yeah, like I could feel it. You know what I mean? And You I, know what's crazy though? I do think that mushroom trips are so, so, so affected by your mindset going into it. So if you're like, recalling this bad trip and that's what you're leading into this new experience with you're for sure going to not enjoy it you know i mean yeah and I, I think that my like general level of being is that like just under freak out 99 percent of the time at this point in my life you know and uh i just think that doing mushrooms uh, i don't want to like drive myself to the emergency room and have doctors laughing at me because i'm on mushrooms you know <laughs> At that point, you just start laughing too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people, it's funny you say you're always like kind of at maximum, lately, you know, whatever, but yeah. a lot of people would attribute psychedelics to alleviating that. And sometimes it is uh, microdosing for sure, but sometimes a macrodose will really just rewire somebody's brain mm -hmm. or force them to face a lot of things that they're not letting come to the surface, yeah. whether it's trauma or whether it's uh, just emotions you're not addressing, you know? I hear you. I, I think, I, I hear but it you. is, it's I, a, it's an overhaul. It's not easy. It can be very jarring, the experience, but sometimes have, you know, really profound outcomes. I think what it comes down to, I don't like the feeling of being out of control. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And I know that, that there's some kind of like probably like underlying psychological thing where like I feel like I need to have like the world by the horns, but I don't. Uh, I think it's something with getting older because when we're teenagers, we wanted that out of control feeling. You wanted, wanted to be taken on anything. a magical roller coaster ride. And now I, I kind of. I mean, even with me, I do still smoke weed a lot, but I'm getting the weed that's like 7% THC, mainly CBD. Like I, Kelly, she'll hit weed that's too strong for me. You know, mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. the same kind of anxiety freakouts if I get the really strong stuff. Yeah. So I, I do enjoy it. It's, it's more habitual. I think I just like, you know, I mean, I used to smoke cigarettes and I transitioned out of that with joints and now I pretty much don't smoke joints. I'm usually just on the vape. So I've gotten healthier in the way that I do these things, but do you do a lot of exercise and stuff like that? Yeah. I exercise almost every day. Mm -hmm. I'd say at least like five out of seven days in the week. I do. That's it amazing. What half, kind of stuff are you doing? Uh, like calisthenic jail workout type things I, I find on that. YouTube. They're usually like half an hour or something I'll switch one day. I'll do like a dumbbell workout the next day. I'll just do, you know, cardio or whatever. Try to keep it varied. Yeah, I love the jail workouts. Um, yeah. There's a park system in Toronto that was like implemented in the last 10 years where they basically added like a little jail gym in like a Chin bunch of bars and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like a bunch of different parks around the city. That's awesome. And like you know, a bunch of fit hobos now. For sure. And <laughs> and and, uh, and like being like a boring sober guy, like one of my favorite things to do is to like bike around and just pull up to one of them and like do like a 15 minute, 20 minute workout and then get back on my bike and keep going. Nice. And they're like kind of scattered around the city. There's one like right beside my house with a giant train line that's beside it. So you'd be like doing chin ups with like a massive, like Canada national locomotive locomotive rolls. going that's by. Cool. It feels like, yeah, it feels like, uh, you know, you're a lot harder than you actually are. <laughs> Trains are pretty badass. I love it, man. I it's mean, one of my, th the graphics about them, like the whole thing. And like, and when I, somebody bombs a train with like a sick piece. Absolutely. I have uh, a real affinity for, um, like mid-century graphic design. And I think that a lot of that stuff is really showcased on on trains and locomotives and i think because it goes the, it, there's a commonality between the sort of visual environment between so many cities because those trains are moving yeah. you know so you'll see They're that a constant 
Yeah. You'll see that CN logo the same here as in Winnipeg, as in Montreal, as in Halifax. And I think that like, uh, that's why that iconography, I think, really resonates with people. And I love that stuff. Well, and the graffiti, I'm sure, resonates with you a lot, too, because you were a big hip hop head back yeah, then. Yeah, of course. Uh, or still I, are, probably. Yeah, yeah, of course. You used to freestyle with Spender and uh, shit, I, right? I absolutely did. Uh, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and Assen. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. still in touch with Assen. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a really cool dude, man. I um, He's big into bird watching. And Not I, the greatest name, I'm going to be honest. I think maybe... I'd kind of be a little pissed at my parents if the first three letters of my name were ass. I think when... Uh, when he's in Bulgaria, maybe it's like the coolest name. It's more there. common. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I actually I don't, don't know. know. But I mean, maybe, maybe ass in, in uh, you know, in, uh, in Bulgaria is like being called Rick. Yeah. Or, uh, or, you know, whatever. Run of the mill. Sort <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, maybe. I have no idea. But yeah, he's a bird. He's a big birding photographer. So I, oh, cool. I, I'd message back and forth with him when he like, you know, takes photographs of owls. He was the stuff. guy we used to buy weed off of. Yeah, I never bought weed off him, but uh, well, no, I'm younger than you. We were in like grade nine, <laughs> and he was like the older dude where he'd be like, "Come meet me at my backyard" or whatever. Yeah. And we used to have a whole joke about him spraying the weed with Windex because it would always get us really high, but it always smelled really fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, he was uh, he's a guy that like never left Beacon Hill. Like still oh, yeah? lives in the same place in that no same neighborhood, and like. That, well, that's where yeah. I grew up. Yeah. yeah. He lives in that same in that same group of buildings. I'm glad we didn't say his last name at this point. We're talking a lot of I mean, you should have him on. Yeah. Uh, he he's a he's got a lot he's got a really good attitude. I think he's and he's I mean, he's just seen that neighborhood the whole time since like for that 25 years or 23 years or whatever since since high school. Like he's just been there the whole time. I would wonder how he would remember me cuz I'm sure he remembers me as a little fiend. I wonder. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. I well cuz I got into weeds so hard when I did. Like I got to high school coming out of junior high I was kind of like junior high. I wasn't like picked on or anything, Did but you I went to Monroe. No, I went to uh, Lester B for two years. You went to Lester B. Yeah. Cause I came from TD McGee, which was a Catholic school for yeah. whatever reason. I'm not Catholic, but, um, and middle school. Yeah. I didn't get picked on or anything, but I never really felt like I knew who I was or who I fit in with. So when I got to high school, it was new school, new opportunity. And I just fell for all the peer pressure immediately. I yeah. smoked cigarettes right away. And I was a stoner by like Christmas time. And I was talking to Jeff, Jeff Townsend. Yeah. Um, really awesome dude too like i i one one of the people i'm still like someone who's been sober for a long time been too, sober right? for a long time yeah and really and really like sort of like active in the like sober community oh nice like, yeah so yeah, he's always been a sweet guy such a sweet guy really really hyper, hyper intelligent dude like and always kind of has been like he's a guy who like definitely did shrooms and drank and like hung on for dear life when he was in high school but like i would also like remember like getting real stoned or really fucked up with him and like you know talk about really interesting stuff when we were when we were like 16 17 years old like he's a really talented writer <laughs> Deep guy, yeah. deep guy, um, and uh, what? What the fuck were we talking about? Sorry. Um, uh, shit, we're talking about Asin. We're talking about Asin. Talking about <laughs> all these people that no one's gonna know who we're talking about. <laughs> so let's hope these stories are good. Yeah. Oof. Anyways, well, uh, shout out to Jeff Townsend, uh, <laughs> great, great guy, and uh, yeah. I'll leave it in. I know last time you came, you did like a, a riff on Beacon Hill, and I ended up editing editing it out because I was still new at the show, and I was like, no one's gonna want to hear about this little neighborhood in Ottawa, I you know, feel like I sometimes forget that the headphones are on and we're just like talking about high school shit that nobody I should have left it in though, because I remember I told you that after and you were like really bummed out that I cut it out. Oh man. I don't even, well, shows you, I don't even remember that, but you were I, talking about coming back to the hood and kind of cruising around and just like the nostalgic vibes. And, and of that, course, you know? and I, I was saying this yesterday, but it feels like just as a museum of my childhood, you know, like yeah. I really, really, I, I wish there was something, you know, I can contribute like photographically or visually that would sort of like tell the story to people that aren't from there because I just really I know 
everybody maybe feels like this about where they're from, but I just feel that there's like a magic to that whole. Beacon Hill is special for it sure. It is special. Like there is something incredible about it. It's the real deal. You a know? lot of big people have come through here too, right? Absolutely. I mean, everyone would think of Tom Green probably first. Uh, uh, Brian he, Adams. Brian Adams went to our school for like a year, I think, or something. I don't know. But Tom Cruise went to uh, Robert Hopkins, whose yeah. real last name is Maypother. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I guess. I, and it's also just like, uh, it just looks like an iconic sort of, you know, neighborhood that when you close your eyes and you think about what like you know all the all the movies we grew up watching it was like it, it looks like that yeah. it looks like wonder years picturesque yeah yeah it's well, awesome. i'm actually uh we we're talking about how my wedding is next week mm -hmm. we're getting married at my folks place in beacon hill so it uh, should be fun grafton crescent that's awesome yeah yeah yeah. remind me which one grafton is it's off of eastvale and it has uh it's a little crescent and at the very end there's like a little path that goes through and connects to uh ovi and oh, that, yeah. You know that like path people get high in. And, of course. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly. So Grafton is the other street on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, you know what I thought about too? Um, I mean, just a, going into our even more esoteric conversation about the neighborhood that we grew up. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like it would be like I, I would love to just walk through those halls again of Colonel By. Yeah. And I stayed in touch with a few of the teachers there and stuff like that. But even there, like probably teetering on retirement if not retired yeah now. so it's just I, I wish i would have done it like 10 years ago and like well i'm sure if you went and just said hey like maybe someone might need to chaperone you around since you're a strange man of coming course, in but yeah. i'm sure if you said hey look i'm an alumni is it cool if i take a look around you know yeah maybe I'd be curious to see if it looks like i remember it yeah, i guess it depends how sketchy they think you are <laughs> i'll dress now i went there once because i was trying desperately to get in touch with um, my old history teacher who was your old history teacher uh mr parsons <sighs> You know, Mr. Parsons, he was a really young guy at the time. Yeah. I think he was like early thirties maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and I finally found him. He's at a different school now out here in the West end. And uh, I went to that school in person to the office to try to get a hold of him. And that was just a weird experience. It wasn't even the school that I used to go to, but just walking through a school, it was right before um, like morning announcements and shit. So everyone was kind of going to and from their mm -hmm. lockers. And right before I get to the office, about 10 feet away, Oh Canada starts playing. So I have to just stand there. And yeah. it, it was very, yeah, weird to feel that like that age again, almost. You I know. know. I, and I haven't, and like uh, being somebody who hasn't been in the scholastic system whatsoever, my only interactions with anything like even being in those buildings or in those rooms is when I go to vote, you know, oh, yeah. but I, I still like, I know when like the waft of that, like cleaning agent that they use on the hallways hits me in the face and like, just like the smell of like those gymnasiums and stuff like that. It's super nostalgic. Like, yeah. It's incredible. Like the, the, I don't know. The I wish constantly memory. that I could go back and relive those years with my adult brain because all the social stuff would have been so fucking easy compared to like all the nerve wracking moments you had back then. Were you, I'm not going to say the name, but were you at that party where that guy's house got trashed? Like famous one. Were you there, Terry? Not sure. That's too vague. I don't know. There, there was like, it was off of, it was off of uh, Lavarandre. It was like a full blown, like the guy like got locked in his basement and somebody Somebody like crapped in a bowl, put it in the microwave. <laughs> oh, like, why the, would anyone ke do ke that? Ketchup on the wall. I saw somebody like go through the drywall. Like, like, uh, like. Those you know, still like, make like, more sense than putting a bowl of shit in the microwave. That's bad for everyone. So it was like it was like <laughs> like a hundred grand worth of damage. It was insane. Jesus. Like people were like, like I remember like people like ripping the VCR out of the wall and like taking it home. It was like a full blown. Fuck. 
That's that mob mentality. Well, once it really starts. What's interesting about that incident is that it was it was all started through that Escape software. You guys remember that? Vaguely. It was like this like pilot program that they started at our high school that failed, but it was like a it was like an early version of like a network where you can like communicate with your teachers and communicate with your peers. There was a messenger function. Okay. I never used it, but a lot of people did, and they basically broadcast the fact that this guy was going to have a party on, oh, on Escape. And then like, you know, it went from like 20 people were supposed to be there to like a thousand people showed up oh my and God. the house got absolutely mauled. The cops like, came, I'm assuming. I don't even remember if the cops came, they but I remember going, us. I remember going there the next day and like the guy's parents had like come home from their vacation because the house was so fucked up and like they were like mopping up and like there's like eggs all over the roof and in the windows and it was just like they probably just threw out the microwave I, th- I, I, hope, I would I would hope so yeah not no one's cooking any popcorn in that motherfucker after but I, what made me think of it is like you saying like going back with an adult brain and being able to like transplant it into me when I was yeah. my brain when I was 16 like there's well so- just in how I interacted with people even you know you're mm-hmm. so nervous at that age especially with women and, and I feel like now I'm not really afraid to talk to anyone you know I, I feel the same I'm way more confident now I think um but yeah, when you're 16, you do, you're so insecure and unsure of yourself and, you know, you get, I don't even know for me, it's confidence as much as just like, um, lack of that fear. So it's, I don't know if that necessarily equates to confidence. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I'm still a pretty insecure person. I'm just, I'm like, fuck it. That's kind of more my attitude. Like what's the worst that can happen if I talk to this person? Right. You know? I wouldn't say I'm confident though. I, um, I can fake it though. Yeah. As, yeah, as, sure, as an sure. adult, yeah. like I can kind of like fake confidence through anything I feel. Uh, whereas that age, I was just like, you know, real, real insecure Jittery and, and shit, couldn't yeah. hide it. And also like, it's, I would love to give myself the advice of like, Hey dude, don't smoke weed every fucking day. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You know, like, uh, how much time did I waste? My relationship with my parents suffered because I wouldn't like want to be around them because I was stoned and I yeah. wouldn't get in trouble. And then, yeah, like, yeah. and then like, you know, you know how it's like trying to talk to girls when you're stoned. It's like next to impossible for me anyway. It's like next to impossible. <laughs> you like, figured out how to talk to girls though. I, I should say Rena here, your girlfriend is here because people probably saw her on the shot of Terry and wondering who's this random stranger. But uh, thank you for coming. But no, uh, yeah, you were single last time you came, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. How long have you guys been together, if I can ask? Um, well. Is this a new romance? New-ish. New-ish, okay. I, I've known Rena for four years. Oh, there you go. Yeah. A good foundation there, yeah, then. Foundation. Nice. Yeah. The pandemic ruined that, actually, because she was living in a different town, and I was living up north. So, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was weird. Um, but, no, it's great. If you I, can overcome long-distance stuff, though, then that's tried and true yeah i think so i mean it's really nice to um to reconnect with somebody familiar too i think it makes it a lot easier oh definitely yeah and just like starting from scratch uh jumping back to the school stuff i did before i forget i wanted to ask you if you remember there was a janitor named al who was like the coolest fucking guy man again like i don't even know if we should talk about that well we're not gonna say his last name i don't even know his last name so there was a janitor at our school and he was he loved smoking weed and And he loved like i think living vicariously through the teens to a degree which was probably not legally smart for him because definitely he he showed up at house parties this guy was like in his mid 40s and he was coming to teenage house parties i was there the day his father passed away oh no he was I, a sweet guy sweet too. guy yeah, really nice dude. uh a little pervy about the girls maybe oh was he I don't a little bit that. i don't know yeah. <laughs> but i was like yeah I, I mean i got to know him right like he dropped me off at school he like or dropped me off at my parents house sometimes after like he was like a, a really really sweet guy and i was there and he and i was like a 17 year old kid and he was like you said like a 43 year old or 45 year old man he had kind of a simple vibe too i don't want to say he was mentally he challenging, say, but he was a very simple man 
a very simple man. I know what you mean. And he, yeah. like, he, he'd always, his like mantra was like, yeah, I did it all just pushing a broom. I did it all just pushing a broom because he was a janitor and he, uh, you know, he had like a truck and a house and I don't know if he was married. I can't remember, but he just like was really proud of his accomplishments. And he's just like, yeah, I did it all pushing a broom. I did yeah. it all pushing a broom. And he Be said hello to everybody. He did. Super he, friendly. But he would just let us do whatever the fuck we wanted. Like yes. it was crazy. Like I remember like, like just partying in the school like. dude we showed up once me i think i was with like stefan and jesse arnold and a couple other people and we showed up on like a saturday night probably like midnight or something I, we were on mushrooms smoking hash all this stuff he let us go in the gym and play floor hockey smoking cigarettes in there do whatever the fuck we want it was crazy He's like it'll air out by monday we're like all right it was crazy <laughs> you're the one whose ass is on the line i know i remember getting high in the um in the science lab <laughs> Like same thing. I wonder if we talked about this last time. This I don't is something know. I was worried about because we we did a long podcast I think last time, and I was yeah. we're gonna go over some familiar territory. I'm sure. Oh, it's fine. I I love talking about this. <laughs> well, and a lot of people didn't listen to the older episodes, so yeah. that's another reason I wanted to have you back on. It's like I've got a bit more of an audience now, so I'm I feel really happy to be here, man. It's like it was real nice just to chill out and talk, and I don't know, I just don't do it enough with people, and I think the microphones kind of like force you to like yeah keep talking. Well, you're not on your phone, right? Yeah. That's a huge one. Um, going back to Ali, I yeah the Beacon Hill Arms, that pub that was at the at the Beacon Hill Mall. I mean, I was. 17 getting wasted there all the time and like me and al were like having a beer man-to-man -man talk and his dad had just passed away and i remember he was crying i was like kind of like it was like my first experience like being like it's like male vulnerability yeah man yeah. i was like wow that's huge though yeah. Yeah. like was, that's impactful on a young boy you know, i remember it. it i'll remember it forever i was just like man there's like 40 year old man like confiding in me and crying like it was like Shit. it was real yeah but yeah i got uh, the vibe he didn't have a lot of people in his life you know what i mean definitely not i don't know Shout I hope he's still out there. Shout out to Al. Yeah, I hope he's still alive. I don't know. Because he'd be in his like 70s or something right now. I or 60. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I remember doing a lot of skateboarding in the hallways there because he was just real cool. And yeah, like, he didn't give it's a, a super smooth surface. I'd have my longboard and I'd just be cruising the full length of the hallways with like nothing to impede you. So it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. really tranquil. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a cool guy. Do you still smoke weed, Terry? Uh, I went to a Just uh, Got Land comedy show and I bought a $5 pre-rolled joint. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I took like four puffs at a buddy's house, but really no. So I, I kind of just dropped everything in October. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really need this stuff. Yeah, he's told me that he dabbled, smoked a couple tokes here and there, but generally it sounded like he didn't really even enjoy it that much, right? Are you planning on drinking at the wedding? I thought you told me that. You're on the fence? Yeah. I'm but like, now it's been so and long. And then like I heard you upstairs, you're like, we bought all this alcohol. I was yeah. like, I remember liking alcohol. Like, oh, we're yeah. gonna have uh, like a pizza bar. We ordered like twelve pizzas or something too, and uh, we gotta have a pretzel stand. It's gonna be sick. Yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, it's I, not to get preachy, but like I just feel like it's like. It, like I've, every aspect of my life has gotten better because of not drinking. And I, like every time I'm just like, ah, I'm like, but what, like, why, why jeopardize it? You know? So here, I, yeah, I'm going to be vulnerable here. And I think that I I've had a lot of, um, back and forth about my drinking and, and I've never, it's never gotten to the point where it's like, fucking up my life. And I almost sometimes wish it would, because if you hit that rock bottom, you have no other choice, but to kind of turn around. And I think even now there's in the back of my head, this feeling that like, I'm, 
pretty positive I'm going to quit drinking at some point. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm just not ready to say goodbye because I, I think that when I do, it's going to be like a, like what you guys are experiencing where you're like, I don't think I'm going to go back. Like I feel that everything will get improved and, and I'm just not going to want to turn back. And because I know that it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to say farewell yet. Or there's always something it's like, well, I want to have some drinks at the wedding or, oh, we're going to go on a honeymoon. It might be in England. I want to hit up the pubs. There's yeah. always, but those justifications could probably go on forever. So I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I, I was, you know, there's a point in my life when somebody's like, you can go on a world vacation. You can go anywhere in the world for two weeks, five-star hotel, everything paid for. You can do whatever you want, but you just can't drink. And I don't even know if I'd want to go. I'd be like, what the fuck? Why would mm. I want to go on vacation and not be able to drink? And I've been now being sober for almost three years and been having gone on vacations and like, it's just, it just changes what you do. You know, yeah. it just changes the way you enjoy stuff. Like you fill your time completely differently. I really live for the mornings. Like I love waking up and not feeling like shit and I yeah. can like get a lot done and, you know, smell the air. There's, there's this incredible guilt I used to feel what it would be like a beautiful day and I was outside and like the sun's shining and I see like a mom and her daughter like bike by and or some guy jogging or people like playing tennis at the park by my house. And I'm like, I, it's gorgeous. The simple the beauties in life. Simple beauties. And yeah. I, I can't enjoy it because my, it feels like my head's in a vice and I feel anxious and I hate it, you know? And, and, and it's so, I, you, I think that, um, you just learn to enjoy life in a completely different way. And I, I well, just, when you were talking about going back and telling yourself to not smoke weed so much, I've thought about that lately in that, like, I'm like, I wonder if I don't have that many or as many memories as I, as I would if I hadn't have smoked so much weed, because it definitely impairs your short-term memory. So you're not really forming memories in the same capacity that you would if you were sober. So I've looked back and gone like, there's a lot of periods of my life that are pretty fuzzy. Pretty fuzzy, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Only the standout, like high adrenaline moments or those types of things that come back crystal clear. I but. think you see it like the life that you've lived in these sort of like moments and flashes. Like if somebody like shouts out a year and they're like 2011, like on like on the on the jump without like looking at my phone or thinking about a calendar or anything like that. Like it's like really like maybe like two visual photos yeah. that I have in my head. Snapshots. Somebody, snapshots. Yeah. Somebody says like 2008. And I'm like, you know, I, I get a lot of memories when I'm like uh, not quite asleep, but like starting to drift off and off and my, um, subconscious is coming in a little bit and just I, I sort of like meditative, I guess, when you're starting to drift off into sleep, that's when I'll have like a flash of somebody's house that I, I didn't even remember the person and all of a sudden I can picture their living room, you know, in, in vivid detail. Yeah. I don't know why it comes to me like that, but, um, should we talk about something other than high school? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people, anyone who watches this show knows that it can go anywhere. Okay, so, cool, and, cool. and I know I would enjoy this still. So, awesome. uh, but yes, we should talk about your photography. That is definitely <laughs> what I had here first. Um, I wanted actually to start by talking about working with Maddie Matheson on his cookware line and because mm -hmm. you took a bunch of really cool pics, but also everything I've seen from him online, he seems like a very, you know, interesting individual, really colorful personality. And I was just wondering if he's as chill as he seems and if you had any like favorite memories from that shoot. Um, I, I've, I've worked with him a bunch of on a bunch of different shoots. Um, we've probably done like four or five different individual photo shoots. The last one that we did for his cookware line, which was called Maddie at Home. Okay. Uh, was actually at his, uh, you know, I, you'd probably hate to hear me say this, but I was like a state uh, oh, wow. in, in, in Fort Erie, which is like sizable. Yeah. It's just like a, it's like a country home. Okay. You know? And he's got a, like a little farm there. There's like, you know, there's like vegetables growing and he's got like a beautiful house, nice big kitchen. His family's there. And we got to shoot portraits of them like as well. And then we, we set up like a beautiful long, uh, sort of harvest table with all his cookware on it and like shot his kids, like eating dinner, like pretending to eat dinner. And one, um, of, one of him on the shitter, one of him on the shitter. <laughs> yeah. All which, his tattoos. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. So, 
I, I think that like the, the way that I kind of came into that whole orbit was through my friend Brian uh, Riche, who owns this company called Castor Design. And him and Maddie Matheson have been friends since they're like, you know, for since 20 years ago. And he kind of like started working with Maddie Matheson. He opened up a restaurant. Maddie Matheson was the chef. Then they opened up a place called Parts and Labor, which in Toronto was like a really famous institution. It was a really sort of high-end French bistro on the top floor. And then underneath the, the restaurant was like a like a low ceiling nightclub with like a hip hop night and a punk night and a thrash night. And Sweet. it was, so you had this like crazy high-low dichotomy where upstairs there's people like, you know. Fine dining. Yeah, yeah. eating like $40, $50 steaks. And then downstairs there's kids like, you know, probably doing blow and like, <laughs> and crowd surfing and like seriously. Yeah. And they all shared the same washroom. So the washroom was like all interconnected. So you had like, so one, ha you could not, Go to, you, there's no separation. So like the, yeah. ki the kids with the tattoos partying had to go and like, you know, have have shared the same washroom as the ad executives that were eating their like, you know, $500 dinners. And uh, well, let's be honest, some ad, ad executives are also doing blow. There's definitely crossover. <laughs> yeah. And some of the ad executives look like the kids that are crowd surfing too. It's, a, it's well, these days. Yeah. Uh, and that was, I mean, this wasn't that long ago. This is true then too, but the, yeah. So then, so anyway, so Brian and I worked together a bunch on a, on a series of Castor photo shoots. He, he's an incredible product designer and he's a real big inspiration of mine. Really, really smart, brilliant dude. He was originally a stone carver. Then he opened up these restaurants. He he's, you know, just a multifaceted, really interesting guy. Grew up in Sudbury. And then he introduced me to Maddie and him and I, uh, you know, worked on these Maddie Matheson photo shoots. And the first one was the cast iron pan. He designed all the products, my friend Brian did. And then Maddie would promote them. And then, you know, so that's sort of where that all came out. And, uh, and Maddie is absolutely like a full blown professional, you know, like he's, he's in front of the camera all the time. And in a weird way, I think that kind of like, I feel like it puts pressure on me because it's not somebody who is just going to be wowed by, by seeing themselves in a decently lit photo on, on the screen or on camera, right? Yeah. Like if I took a photo of you and I set it up a little bit and I made the light nice and I took a, and you'd be like, dude, that's such a great portrait. Thank you so much. Cause I know how to do that. I know how to make something yeah. look interesting. But somebody like Maddie Matheson, who's photographed, first of all, looks really interesting. Like, you know, he's a 250 pound, tattooed head to toe. It looks like a Viking. Like he's just yeah. a really interesting looking guy or a biker or, or a biker yeah. or whatever. Right. And then, and then add to that somebody who's been shot by really talented, amazing photographers for like most of their life at this point. He seems so, like a big lovable teddy bear though. He is for sure. Yeah. And, and he's exactly like he seems like he's loud. He's genuine. He's genuine. He's loud. Doesn't give a fuck. You kind of know if he likes you or, or likes what's going on the minute he enters the room. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's the point. Like that's the intimidating factor about photo photographing somebody like that is that like they're not going to be like that's amazing just yeah. because they see themselves on camera um so i think the bar is pretty high and that's one thing i'll say about working with them is that like you know it's an honor to be able to shoot somebody like that but it's also a little bit intimidating because the bar is really high they're used to getting their photo taken they're used to getting photographed for covers of magazines you have competition essentially uh, uh, in their mind absolutely for, yeah yeah and the other thing that's really interesting about it is that you know you add to that the creative direction that comes from brian who has this like encyclopedic knowledge about art history, about design, about restaurants, about all this stuff, about photography, about cinema. And they're kind of pushing the direction of the shoot 
you know, and, and it's their input is absolutely what's going to make this that much more special. Like we did one photo shoot for um, Maddie Matheson cookware uh, probably a year and a half ago at this point. Uh, we shot it in Toronto and it was inspired by the Dutch masters paintings. So like the Vermeers and uh, Rembrandt and and and. Uh, and and Brian, that was that was what he brought. He was like, I want to make this look like that is like the milkmaid or like these famous, you know, art, historical art paintings. And I I could look at that and sort of figure out how to mimic the lighting, but it's not my idea. And that's that goes for a lot of um, the work that I do with creatively with with advertising or, you know, you can always sort of add to it. But you know, so often the brilliant product that comes out is the, it's the input of the creative department or the creative person that that really makes it special you know it's not like it's independent of that like i shoot my own stuff obviously i think yeah. that i i can definitely jive off of what they're suggesting but i think so often like when you see uh an advertisement or you see you know a poster like it's 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 the group effort that makes it really good and i think that those photos of maddie matheson that the you can't separate the fact that it, the creative came from a really high level but that must be a nice change of pace when you're doing solo work and then you can all of a sudden collaborate with other talented people. If it's good, it's magical. If it's bad, it's torture. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's the way I would describe it. Yeah. yeah. And and on, in the case of the stuff with Maddie Madison, it's like you've got, you know, what could be one of the coolest brands around plus one of the greatest creative minds with my friend Brian. And then you got Maddie Madison, who's a super interesting guy who knows how to turn it on in front of the camera yeah. and it's just like this all the stars are aligned it's all the stars are aligning yeah, yeah. but it's still stressful you know i i nice and i i think that a lot of what i do is i stress myself out but i mean going into those shoots i'm not like but that's because yeah. you care so much you know what i'm saying like I care so much but it's also driving me crazy yeah um and i gotta be careful because i don't want to waste my life just fucking you know tensed up yeah w worried i about. can very much relate to that yeah I think that that's like something that you do like achieve though through getting older. That's why there's so many old people that seem so Zen is because they've had those extra decades on us to keep having those conversations with themselves and, and try to like amp down the stress and the self judgment and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Rena can attest to this too, but like, it'll like, we'll be sitting there and I'll get one shitty email and it'll like just throw me no fucking Devastate tail, throw you, me yeah. a tailspin, you know, I'm and similar. I, I just, I want to get to a point where that's not the case. You know what I mean? Like I want to get to a point where like I can let that shit slide off my shoulder. I'm also a very bad person when it comes to um, like lingering things. Like I always, if there is a problem, I want to just deal with it, you know, and, and figure it out. But when sometimes you can't, sometimes there's time sensitive things or, or you need other people to be in agreement to, to want to work forward and move forward on those. You know what I'm saying? Like when something is, you have to just wait and go like uh, that anticipation. That's of, a question for you. Like, do you find having kids helps you with that? Um, well, having kids, you definitely have to start to learn to go with the flow a little more. And especially now that they're becoming teenagers, my oldest kids, it's like learning to like, let go and let them have some freedom because you don't want to keep them locked up. You know, you want them to have those life experiences. But at the same time, I'm like, I am the guy where my, my daughter just went for a sleepover and she said, you know, so-and-so's mom is picking us up and driving us there. And even that for me, I'm like, I don't know how, like what kind of driver she is. This mm -hmm. is my child. If she gets in an accident, I'm never going to forgive myself, you know, but you don't have control over the universe and, and eventually, you know, give it another five years. They're going to be in college, adults, whatever, do whatever yeah. the fuck they want. And I won't even be able to stop them if I want to. So uh -huh. yeah, it's step-by-step. Step, I'm learning to try to be, you know, more accepting of just how things un unfold. You know, you can still obviously input in the situation and try to 
be a good dad and all that. But yeah, you know, it does force you to accept that you can't control everything. Yeah, it's something I'm curious about. Like, I, because with all this stuff that I got going on, it's sometimes I'm like, imagine trying to do all this plus kids. Like, mm. I'm barely hanging on, like, barely hanging on to my sanity. You know, like, I feel like I don't have time to, like, you know, take a shower and do my laundry because my, my schedule is so filled up with shit that I got going on. And well, I'm blessed in, in my partnership with Kelly. Like, you know, she works full time. She's amazing at her job, uh, which allows me to work. You know, I pick up shifts at the hospital when she's not working, but I don't work anywhere near the hours she does. Uh, so parenting has always kind of been my main focus. And then I started to incorporate this stuff and stand up comedy and all that. But I actually have you know, I'm still very busy, but I have some time in a way that you probably wouldn't working full time, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I can't thank her enough as a partner for allowing me to, uh, chase my creative goals and spend all that time with, with our kids. And for sure. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about, um, like visiting, um, like Los Angeles or like Austin, Texas, or have you, have you gone to any of those rooms? Like, have you seen, have you gone to like the cellar or like any, Oh, you're talking about like for, to for do stand up. Oh or, yeah. Not even, not even to, like, of course to go perform, but also just to go and like watch and stuff. Like, oh I, yeah. The, you, the comedy store is one of those places. That it's like a dream place. I would love to go. To. And now all the stuff that's happening in Austin yeah. with, uh, the mothership yeah. and, uh, the Falcon gas company and places like that. Like, I would love to go to any of those, watch a Kill Tony show or something. Um, I've been to I've been to the comedy store three times. Wow. Um, uh, and Every night, it's all bangers. Like it's incredible. It's fucking it's crazy. Incredible. The lineups are like it's incredible. Um, but I was gonna say, if I ever do uh, find myself in LA, if we could line it up somehow, like I, there's nobody I'd rather go check it out. Like hell I'm, yeah, yeah. Like if you want to just go for like the, the good thing about LA, it's like it's pretty easy. Like at least from Toronto, there's like multiple flights a day. It's like I kind of know my way around and like, nice. Yeah, like and just you can go for two nights and it's not the end of the world because the flight's only like four and a half hours or something like that. So yeah, think, yeah, that sounds think, think, about, think about. I've it. always wanted to hit up Long Beach and uh, you know San Diego would be pretty cool too. But I, I've never been to San Diego and Long Beach is somewhere I've only been once. I've never like really gone and like checked it out. But and, like I, I want to go to all the Sublime haunts and places they used to play and stuff. I'm a big Sublime nerd, so that's really, part of it. That'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, man, that sounds fantastic. Kelly and I are actually trying to figure out where we're going to go for our honeymoon and go that, to Los Angeles. That's a place we've very much been debating. We would be going end of September is when she got vacation it's time. A great time of year to go yeah. to, man. And what I'll say about LA is like, I've been there a bunch now and it's as, as much as like people want to shit on it. And like, as much as like, you know, it's got like a, there's like a, almost like a stigma about it. Like there's no other place I've ever been where I felt like I got there. Stigma in what way? Sorry. Well, just the people are douchey. Like phony, like yeah. Hollywood types. People are, people, okay. are, people are douchey. That's like, this. well, cause there's also the stigma that it's a very like, uh, you know, democratic place, very liberal sort of, uh, you know, the other states that aren't that way. I've heard kind of shit on California. For like, sure. oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly bothered by that, but I mean, I mean, I guess if you're some like diehard Republican who, yeah. like, you know, maybe, but for me, I, I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, it, it's, it's anyway, it's a, it's a place that I've like, as soon as I went there, I feel like I'd been there before just because it is like, you know, the, um, it, it's the template of like the whole like Western experience. So like, like, you know, you'll be driving down you see like a seven 11 with like a palm tree with like a cool car parked yeah. just off the side of the highway. And you're like, man, it, everything looks like a fucking movie. Yeah, am I an Encino it, man? It looks, it, that's what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. Like it all looks like it all looks like you're in a movie. Like mm. it feels surreal. I've never been to any other city in the world that I'm like, like it's, it's its own thing. It's almost like it's its own country. You know, it's so vast when there's like almost like multiple downtowns and they're and, and Venice sub, beach. And yeah, of course, yeah. and, and that's a place you actually want to go. That's like an hour from this, from like, you know, from Burbank or whatever. And it's like this, it's this never ending, like 
playground. It's incredible. I, I think that that would be a really cool place for you guys to go for your honeymoon. I honestly think you, you'll, you'll be blown away. Like I love taking people there for the first time and showing them as well. And like watching the reaction, like I yeah. did a really cool trip there with my brother, probably in like 2015, I was part of an art show and we, we went and checked it all out and went to the comedy store. And, and it's just, it's, it's a magical place that everybody should see. That's like grown up you know, watching movies, basically. It's, it's incredible. It's yeah. Incredible. I love the history of all that. That's very cool. Yeah. Or yeah. bands like the doors and stuff like that. I would love to find Dude. like Jim, Jim Morrison's old apartment or you something. Should walk the sunset strip, you know what I yeah. mean? Like see it on like Whiskey a Friday. Go -Go it's, all, it's all there. Yeah. You know, it's all there. And, and uh, yeah, I can give you like a couple places to go to check out as well. Crazy. Like, yeah. It's well, the other front runners are like Ireland or England. Like I'm Irish. I have my citizenship. I've but never you, been there. That's never like go, go to go there when uh, I'm 60 or something. Sure. But <laughs> not, or not even like, I mean, go there next summer. But like, I think like as a person who's into comedy and like is into, you know, just sort of like pop culture, pop culture yeah. and kitsch and all the stuff that we love. Like, I think, I think you'll be blown away, man. Yeah. It's always been on my bucket list. Yeah. I, I think I get uh, tainted a little bit by just the news and shit. When I see like another shooting in the U S and I'm like, Oh, people got shot on the beach. Like what? I don't think it's likely, but my brain always goes like, well, fuck. I don't know. I think you can think you can get struck by lightning. You can get hit by a meteor. Like nobody's asking you to obviously like, you know, go on vacation to like, you know, Compton, Eastern, <laughs> Eastern Ukraine. Right? Oh yeah. But, yeah. but it's, it's not, it's not like, I don't know. I don't, I, I think that it's about as safe. It's as, played up maybe a little of bit. Of course. Yeah. And, what, and I mean, you'll be struck by like the level of homelessness and stuff like that. It's like, it's pretty in your face, like yeah. in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I went like after the pandemic too. And it like, definitely like some of that hype is true. Like it is pretty crazy. Like the level of homelessness, but like, I don't know. It doesn't mean that it's not one of the best cities in the world. Like it's, yeah. it's incredible. And it's huge too. Like it's not, you can go to Montreal for the weekend and be like, yeah, Montreal, this vibe, like you can go to Los Angeles and it's like almost like being like, you know, it's like Los Angeles is almost like being like, have you been to, I don't know, like so many different sections, so many, and you'll never see it all. You know what I mean? You can go to like Santa Monica and have a completely different experience. And if you go to Long Beach, then if you go to Venice, then like, it's yeah. all like, it's like these like miniature cities within a giant you need like city. a month there probably. Yeah. Or, but, uh, but you can go for two nights and go and, 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 and be go awesome. Back again and the next you'll, get year. A, you'll get a bit of the, you know, you get a bit of the vibe. Shit. And I think we're looking at like five days, whatever we do, probably so sounds perfect, man. Yeah. Yeah. You might well, even shit. have a direct flight from Ottawa. Damn. All right. Well, I might follow up. On, uh, That's on that my vote. You. Yeah. Okay. Shit. You're, you're convincing me here. Uh, well, speaking of travel, that was actually kind of the next thing I wanted to talk to you about because you traveled to shoot a lot. And mm -hmm. I saw this gnarly castle in Germany. I think it was. It looked like it was Transylvania, like Dr Dracula's castle or something. But so that is, I always pronounce it wrong. It's called Neunschweinstein or something like that. I can understand it's, why you struggle with that. The name's weird. Anyway, it, I was in Bavaria visiting my friend and it's, and it's like going to Niagara Falls for people in Germany because it's like a corny you know, tourist trap. Everyone's place, done it. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's actually the, it was sort of what, uh, the Disney castle was modeled after it was that castle. Oh, wow. The history of it's really weird. It was built in the 1800s. It's not that old by some like weird, uh, eccentric, uh, German King who built it for himself. And I don't even know if he ever lived in it. It was like this, almost like this, like failed Just like crazy mega project that was like people died building it and he spent his entire family fortune on it. And then I think he passed away before it was ever even like completed, oh, but it's incredible. It's in a Valley. It's, you know, the situation's beautiful. And I, and my friend Ava and I, and her boyfriend, Matt, were like, let's just go check it out. It's an hour from where we're skiing. They, I think, I don't even know if they'd ever been there before. If they had this. It's just like a museum now or something? Sort or of. Like a, 
No one lives there, though. Nobody no, lives okay. there, and there's like a lot of what like, a shame. I guess <laughs> you yeah. know, someone should live in that badass place. But it's all fake too. It's like like Doctor Doom would live I'd there. Be, I just wanted, I just wanted to go see it, you know. And everything was closed, and the, and all the vistas of it are closed. So I fucking jump a fence. This is top secret, and I, t- <laughs> I jump <laughs> Not a fence anymore. <laughs> and I run up this hill and like run through the woods, and I'm covered in snow. It's the middle of the winter, and like I'm like wearing these boots that are like way too low for what I'm doing, and I climb up, and there's like all these signs like certain death. If you like climb up over this next ridge and I keep going and keep going and I'm sure and the sun's going down, it's getting dark and I sure as shit, I fucking climb up and there's this like ledge sh- straight down probably a hundred meters to uh, like, and I, and the, I peek my head over and there it fucking is, man. Like it's just beautifully, it's starting to be lit up too. Cause it's like, you know, right as the sun's setting and it's like in this bowl and with like, with like forest all around it and the Bavarian countryside behind it. Yeah, it almost looks like how would you even get to the place when I saw the picture? It looked like I climbed, I climbed. It was like a canyon all around it, kind of. American kid threw two women off that ridge this week and killed one of them. Yeah, and there was a manhunt in Germany, and they finally caught him. And it was like American. I don't even know the whole story about this American tourist kid. And I'm, I didn't, it didn't say exactly where it happened, but it was on like a vista overlooking the castle. And I'm like, probably the spot you were at. Hundred percent sure it's the spot where I was at. Easy. Yeah. Wow, that wild is man, death. wild. Well, the, I mean, what I was leading to is if there was a place in the world that you'd really love to shoot, that's on like your bucket list for geographically speaking. That's a really good question. Um, I mean, there's stuff I'd like to see. You know, like I, it's it's hard to say. Like I think a lot of the landscapes I'm really drawn to are just like not the like cliche ones that you see in postcards. That said, like I, I'd like to see Machu Picchu. You know, mm. like I, I don't know. It's a good, there's stuff that like I, there's this uh, area in Brazil with all these dunes that are like filled with water when there's a high tide. I, the name escapes me right now, but it's like, I've seen photos of that and it looks like a complete surreal. Shit. There's this, then Saudi Arabia has got some incredible rat landscapes as well. There's these like basically boulders that have been left behind in the desert. And then some of them would be like carved into like little homes and castles and stuff hmm. like that. I'd love to check that out as well. I'd like to see Dubai. Um, it looks and, pretty crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, politics aside, like they literally built like a mega city in the in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And it'll make for a pretty cool, like, sci-fi, like, shoot up movie, I'm sure, 200 yeah. years from now. <laughs> so Definitely. Wanna, I'd like to see that. Some from, of the buildings are just absolutely nuts. I'd love to see it from, like, a helicopter, do, like, a helicopter cruise around there and take some photos. Did you ever do, um, like, a safari? I have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, uh, my brother was living there at the time, and I got sent there to shoot for a charity that's affiliated with United Way. Advertising agency sent me there, and I got to shoot. Uh, this is where? In, uh, in Nairobi, in oh, Kenya. Very cool. And then outside of Kenya is obviously some of the most beautiful safari in the world, and I got to go a couple days and sleep in a tent and like listen to the jungle wake up. And it, yeah, like it was, it was a pretty incredible experience. I kind of like it was right before I quit smoking weed, and I smoked weed, and I was there doing that. And I had a pretty good freak out. (laughs) African bombada. In the middle of nowhere, man. Like just if that truck breaks down. Oh, yeah. And it's an old like, you know. Nightfall comes. You start hearing the hyenas. Fuck. There's elephants. There's cheetahs. (laughs) There's there's everything. Like you're literally in. Hippos apparently kill so many people every year. Dude, it was. And Nile crocodiles. It's all there. Monkeys everywhere. Like weird little like, like. Like looks like deer, but like miniature. It's called a deek deek. You see them everywhere. Like oh, the smallest crazy. deer in the world. Like really cool stuff. Um, and I got to see it like sort of right after a big rainfall too. So all the pools and like the way that it all like fills up on the rock formations. It really feels like you're in like the land before time. Uh, well, I remember so cool. there's one moment where we stopped and like these two giraffe 
these two giraffes sort of just like walked right in front of us and like, you know, it felt, it felt like Jurassic Park. Like it felt, it felt. Are you afraid of any animals? I mean, I don't want to get eaten by anything, but. But nothing like fills you with, with you uh, know, dread fucking, if you see it. I hate snakes kind of. Like, okay. But like, I, I, like if I see a little garden snake or whatever, I'll, I'll grab it. And, like, but it, like a cobra is kind yeah, of a want rattler. It. For me, it's sharks for sure. Yeah, they're scary. I mean, like I respect them. I think they're cool animals. But when you see just those gums, the, all the gums that they're yeah. showing off with like rows and rows of teeth, there's no way that that will never stop terrifying me a little bit. Swimming in the ocean's weird. Just not knowing what's under you too. I think that's a lot of the fear I have. You know, I'm not a big ocean swimmer. Yeah, I I, I remember one one thing that I was listening to this interview recently, and like I. I don't like it anymore, but I think when I was a kid, I was just too dumb to think about it that way. But like swimming out like 300 meters from shore and just like, you know, I'm not going to collapse, but like just there's not like you have to keep swimming. Yeah. If you just stop swimming, you're going to drown. And like that feeling. And you're like, if I have an anxiety attack right now and it. I start hyperventilating, am I going to drown? Yeah. I, like, I think some of that gets me too. Yeah. Like, so I, I wouldn't want to do like a big long swim without like a. Well, I went to Dominican with my family in um, January and that was probably the most I've ever swam in the ocean. Cause the only time I'd ever been in the ocean before that was on grad trip in Cuba. And yeah. I didn't even, I stayed in the pools mainly, but here <laughs> I went and uh, they had like a little, I don't know if it was a man-made reef or something sort of right where they wanted you not to swim past essentially and in that reef there were so many cool fish i saw like a little puffer fish and yeah you know so i had a really good time but i think it's because i knew i was in sort of the safe zone you i'm know? down with the safe zone dude yeah i'm 40 years old and like i know that doesn't sound that old for probably a lot of people but, like, but jumping off a boat in the middle of the ocean to that. swim yeah. and then getting stung by a jellyfish and getting paralyzed or having a sharky I, I want safe and chill even I, when i drive now i want safe and chill like yeah yeah Dude, I saw a fucking video of, um, I don't even advise people watch it because it's pretty messed up, but this dude got eaten by a shark in uh, the Red Sea right in Egypt, like at a resort. Like, And apparently he was told not to swim, but he did it anyways. It's I think it's a tiger shark and it's messed up. You see, he gets chomped and you kind of see like red fill the water. It's not the greatest photo or photo quality, video quality, but you can see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And then you he starts like kind of wailing and oh my god, because I think he's he's in shock, but he's sorting starting to realize what's happening. And I don't think his mind at that point is anywhere like oh this shark might come back and get me again. I think he's just overwhelmed with having been bit whatever happened to him and then everyone watching there's this woman who just keeps saying oh my god the woman who's filming because no one can help right no one's gonna jump in and you see the shark coming around it kind of just comes and takes him by the shoulder and pulls him under oh. and then you see the legs come up the other way like he's getting flipped upside down and and the worst part is at the very end of the video when he's finally under for good this guy pulls up real slow in a boat like where were you fucking two minutes ago jerry jesus <laughs> not to make light of the situation but i remember thinking wow this guy's pulling up real slow i hope i don't go that way yeah it's that's got to be one of the worst ways to die i uh, fuck that or a bear fucking bear ripping <laughs> any, you apart any, anything anything like anything that. eating you while you're alive has probably got to be one it of the makes worst. me uh you know it makes me like i'm just always my head always goes to like you know uh i just you, if you're in the woods, man, like, or in the, or in the water, like anything can happen. You know, yeah. my brother just was in the woods and he got poked in the eye by a stick and like almost lost his eye. Just like anything can Whoa. happen. Yeah, man. Anything can happen. You know, it's like, we're super vulnerable, right? Like yeah. it feels not, doesn't feel like like right now, just sitting here talking to you, like feel like I'm in total control, but like really you're just like a fleshy, vulnerable, weak ass oh, human, yeah. you know? And I always think about that when I see someone who's survived like a horrific accident and whether they lost a limb or whatever it might be, but as bad as, as the physical damage, I always wonder how brutal it must be to just have to carry the memory of the actual event, you know? Because yeah, if you get pinned in a car and crumpled up and, and 
so bad that they have to amputate something. It's got to be some of the worst pain and the scariest thing you could ever, you know, just feeling trapped and I don't know. I guess after a while it just turns into a memory that you kind of like, it just sort of felt like a dream. Like it's like, Well, a lot of people say that due to the shock and the adrenaline, they don't even feel the pain like when they get their arm bit off or something. It's just kind of like not there because their brain is, is compartmentalizing or something. Anyways, it's a fun light topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to traveling, though, I did want to ask you about your camera pack because I saw your travel set up. You had a video on your Instagram and I, I wanted to know if you get paranoid because, you know, if someone loses their bag. It's one thing. But you losing that bag has got to be like in the tens of thousands, I would imagine. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, the camera never goes under the plane. It's okay, sort of like a rule of thumb. Probably for a, lot of for, probably for a lot of photographers. But I, I was taught that very early on as an assistant. Like, camera never goes under the plane. Yeah. And it's to the point where, like, I've had to, like, argue with... You know, you're getting on a small plane sometimes, and they do that thing where like nobody nobody brings checked luggage anymore because they charge you for it. So yeah. there's never enough room in the bins above your chairs. Yeah. And so then I'm like, I happen to be like one of the last people on the plane. Like, oh sir, sorry, we don't have any more room on the carry on. We'll, we'll take it under the plane at no extra charge, and like we'll give it right back to you. I'm like, no, this can't. You're go like, I'll keep the, this on my lap. This, yeah, like I'll keep yeah. this on my lap, or this is going like next to the pilot because this is this is a ten thousand dollar camera. This is not going under the plane. So yeah. that's the big rule. Uh, but I mean, at this stage in my life like everything's obviously insured but what's oh, not nice. sometimes what's not insured is like the photos right so i do get paranoid about like the files the files the files so everything has to be backed up in at least three places at a time a lot Put of that shit on the cloud a lot of that's cloud and a lot of that's like pretty expensive because you're just like you know paying for the subscription to have everything backed up yeah like, you know indefinitely. That digital database indefinitely yeah so like everything's everything's backed up in hard disk, another hard disk, another hard disk, and plus it goes up, and that's that. I'm almost more paranoid about stuff like that. The work, as the a, work, yeah. than, than the gear. Okay, but, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and, and at this point, everything's insured. I've been pretty lucky. Like I've had like a tripod stolen like ten years ago, and like some minor shit, but. Um, yeah, nothing major, but yeah, the camera never goes under the plane, never goes under the plane. Yeah. Cause I saw a video, you were on uh, Peter McKinnon's YouTube channel who I was not familiar with, but he's got a lot of great content Yeah, and you guys were using like an $80,000 camera. Yeah. I mean, is I'm, that nerve wracking? It's, it's not, it's, I mean, listen, man, like it's a tool. Yes. Like if I thought that, you know, you're staring at this thing and you're like, this is worth, this is worth like the price of like a beautiful car, or, like a shitty house, you know, yeah. like almost, um, it, it is like a little bit mind blowing, but I have to, uh, you know, I, I look at it as a tool. I wish that I had that. I don't own it. I mean, it's rented. Um, and, but I, it, it's, it's an incredible piece of equipment. Like it's, it's literally probably the best camera in the world right so now. So I saw people in the comments that were debating. Some people were saying that this vi video is misleading and there's way better stuff for way cheaper. I didn't know enough to weigh in on it. Uh, to be perfectly honest, like I, I usually read the comments on those videos, like the first day it comes out. And then like the like millions of comments that come afterwards, I kind of lose track or don't or lose interest. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess there is some debate about it. I, I disagree. Like for my personal experience as somebody who looks at images in extreme detail on a regular basis, I haven't worked with anything better. Uh, phase is like absolutely at the cutting edge of making the best of the best. Phase one, it's called, Phase right? one, yeah. phase one, yeah. They're, uh, they're, I think they're owned by a Danish company. Um, or Swedish, I can't remember, but they're they're the, they're the shit. Like it's it's the best. And eighty I, grand though, damn. Yeah, if you want to own that, that's pretty bonkers. I mean, most guys don't, and if you do, it's leased. Like you would you would lease a camera like that yeah. for like I don't know a couple grand a month. Well, unless you're like 
some superstar celebrity with gajillions of dollars. Sure. In or own. you're like the Smithsonian Institute, right? Yeah. Where they have you're like need it regularly. a pile of those cameras to document everything. And like, it's, it's the best. And that's a place I'd love to go for yeah. the record. The well, Smithsonian. If, if you go to the, if you go to DC, they're all free. Well, and I've heard you can spend like a week in that museum. It's just like well, it's a, exceptionally large. It's a chain large. of museums. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. it's a chain of museums that are all like, you know, this, the Smithsonian's Institute. So there's like the natural history one, the aerospace one. The, they're all close to each other though? Or? They're all, yeah. Oh, they're actually connected or no? No. no just but in the same like, district kind of? Exactly. Okay. It's the U.S. like really trying to show off like this is the best shit. And like the U.S. is obviously top shit with a lot of stuff culturally. And yeah. so it's the, really their attempt at being like, here is our version of like the Holocaust museum. Here's our version of like our history museum. And, and well, you know, the States usually go all out when they're trying to show off. So it's worth, it's worth seeing. You hear a lot of people uh, complaining about museums and how they have so many like stolen things from other lands, essentially during colonialism yeah. times yeah. and stuff. But at the same time, a lot of that stuff, if you left it in, in those countries may have just been pilfered by thieves and stuff, you know? <laughs> I agree with you. I don't know. It's it's tricky though. I I because I'm not an expert on the topic. I no, can't really speak. To, I, and also, course. like I don't know what it's like to be from whatever some country like Egypt, for instance, and then like all your ca- country's national treasure is in some yeah. museum behind in the UK. Key. Exactly. And I don't know what that feels. They like. want to reappropriate it, and like I get that urge. I don't, but I I do think that like this like this real like um, desire for revisionism or like to like go back and wrong the rights of everything that's happened, all the racism that's happened in history. Like you'll just never get to the end of it. So yeah. it's a tricky one. Like we're, like once you open that can of worms, which we have now. Of course, like they're what, taking down statues. What's, and... what's going to happen next? You know, like it, like when you look at like especially a country like Canada, like and you look at all the, like the last names of every street and every boulevard. You know, who are all these people? Well, chances are a lot of these guys are probably pieces of shit. But or slave owners or sure. yeah. But like again, like where does it end? You know, and so I, I think it's tricky. It's hard to, it's again, it's hard for me to weigh in on. Well, and it sounds like a cop out when you go, it was a different time, but there is of course some truth to that in any of these uh, situations that people like, you'll, you'll never be able to understand fully what a completely different time in society felt like. Cause you weren't there and, and you know, yeah. you can imagine, but you'll never really know what that felt like. I mean, there's an appetite for it. Definitely. Uh, like I think uh, in academia, like I mean, Ryerson changing their name. Yeah. And now we're going to have the name of one of the main avenues in Toronto have their name has their going to be changing their name too. And I don't know. I'm not. Uh, it's interesting how these things come in waves, though, because I feel like about five years ago is when this things really started to pick up. PC culture was really on the rise. Me Too movement, of course an important movement, but there's a lot of things that got bundled together and everybody was trying to cancel people constantly. And now I'm seeing, maybe it's just me, but I'm noticing more and more people that are feeling exhausted from that, you know, that witch hunt on everything. And I think that's the risk. That's the risk you run. If you really want to like open up that can of worms and the, and the, the really scary part to me is like the, this, the kickback, you know, and I mm-hmm. think the kickback is people being like, well, fuck you, I am going to be racist, or fuck you, I am going to be insensitive, yeah. just because I don't want to follow the rules. And like, we all have that sort of, especially as like, you know, when I was a young dude, like my, you, you tell me not to smoke weed, well, I'm going to smoke weed, you know what I mean? You smoke it so hard. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever, you know? And I, and that I, rebellious. I, and I think yeah. that that's like, that, like society and the government, everybody telling you like, you can't, you can't, you can't. And it's like, well, what are they, what are they so worried about? What if, you know, and I, I, I get nervous. That's how you start a freedom convoy, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I get nervous about, but who knows? I mean, I, I think that like, at the end of the day, like I'm a fortunate, you know, 
semi-successful white dude and like i i can't really like speak to that stuff i don't know what it's yeah. like to be like from some marginalized culture exactly or indigenous or whatever. that's why i always try to have empathy for people that are coming from those standpoints i think so too i've had so many blessings in my life and come up with a you know great parents and great neighborhood and all that kind of shit but the pc shit does get really nauseating that's yeah <laughs> especially from a comedy standpoint i, I find imagine, it's it's yeah. confusing not that i do super risque material but i certainly hear it a lot at the clubs and i support it for the most part yeah. i mean you can be gratuitous for no reason and that's not always great but i still kind of agree with the freedom to to try it out because so much of comedy is like trying shit out and it's not all going to be perfect and sometimes especially when you're trying to push the envelope you can make the wrong call it's yeah. it's do you choose to repeat that and keep saying those types of things and not learn from from the times where it didn't go well my little brush with it is sometimes when like um you know i do touch on uh photo subject matter that is maybe like a little bit of nudity or like a controversial person or or drugs or something like when mm. I'm trying to, you know, talk about you it. You get embroiled in it a bit. And, and, then, and then just sometimes in the comments and I'm like, man, do you, are you actually offended or are you just like, do you think you're supposed to be offended? Yeah. You know, and, and my, my stuff isn't super controversial either, but sometimes when I do see like some of that shit. People I'm, just love to argue on the internet. It's crazy. Everyone feels like they have to pick a side on everything. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's one of the best things you can do is stop getting in Facebook arguments with strangers and save tons of time. Fuck man, I try not to. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's hard, but uh, you know, mm -hmm. it really doesn't ever amount to anything good. No. Just waste your time and feel shitty after and you know, yeah. be angry at somebody you don't even really know. I envy people who can actually not read the comments. Like I, I and I, I don't read the, I don't read them like obsessively, but I don't also not ever. Well, you get curious, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. That's how social media works. But yeah, it can be a dark path to keep mm -hmm. going down for sure. Um, you actually, I'll switch to that because you just mentioned nudity. That was one of my questions because I did notice a couple of uh, shots that you did of, you know, very tasteful stuff like someone's butt or whatever. But I still started going like, what is a what's the process like? Is that uncomfortable at all? Because I know you can go into artist mode, but at the same time, at least me, maybe with my OCD, I'm never going to fully be able to separate the fact that I'm a straight man and if there's an attractive naked woman some part of my brain is going like mm, okay <laughs> yeah I, I mean the the hundred percent honest question about uh, answer to that i think is that like you kind of like the minute you start acting like a hornball or 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 being sort of like like well that's not what i was implying you no, no, should no, do but at the, all but yeah the, but, but the minute there's like any kind of that i mean Weird you stray side. away from like you're a professional and yeah. you're just like trying to get the best image it's gonna ruin it so i always I mean, I don't know. I hope I do this successfully, but anytime there's like, yeah, like a hot naked chick on set, like it's, it's an absolutely professional environment where mm -hmm. you are there to make them feel comfortable and you're there to get the shot and not, you know, perv out and, yeah. and make anybody uncomfortable. And I think that's the real process. And for my limited experience, cause it's not like I'm photographing naked people all the time, but yeah, there wasn't but, a lot, but, but here and there I am. And I think that like the, the, the main thing is, from the feedback that I've received from models that I've worked with is that like, yeah, you're really professional. You made me feel really comfortable. And, nice. I, and I think that stems from really, you know, like putting away the like pervy part of my, like, that everyone has obviously, but like putting that in compartmentalizing, that, switch. compartmentalizing yeah. that. And even if it's faking it, just put that away. And like, we're doing a job here. Yeah. I'm here to make this look hot. I'm going to, I'm here to make this look amazing. And I'm going to here to make you look beautiful, but it's not being, a, uh, you know, see, so, yeah, I, like, I don't know that I'd be able to do that. I would 100% be able to not be creepy, but I'm sure my brain would still be like, oh, wow. You know, like that's always there. Taking account. Well, this is something I talked about with someone recently that I've always kind of felt. 
and no no shame to people who do this because I'm not trying to call anyone out, but I have always thought it's really weird to be a straight male gynecologist. I that always weird, thought that like yeah. what leads you to that line of work where you're like, and like, I just refuse to believe that a straight man who goes home and has sex with his wife at night can completely separate sexuality when he's looking at a woman's vagina, especially if she's attractive or whatever. And I just go like, why would you even want that job? That just seems so uncomfortable for you as the, but maybe that's just me. I don't I, know. I think that, I think that there's like, I think that they wouldn't readily admit this, but I think that the same way as when someone like me, you know, my brushes with, you know, working with like naked people. Like there's obviously that part or of tattoo me. artists have to do this sometimes tattoo. Somebody's, you know, Terry's going pee. Oh, Terry, we can pause, bud. Yeah. We should probably do that instead of, uh, Okay. I'll do I'll do a pee as well. Yeah, pee break. All right. Okay, we're back from a, a pee pee break. Terry had to go and then we all win. So here we are. Pee break over. Let's get back into it. Um, we we're talking about gynecology. Yeah, we were. We were. I don't know if we need to revisit that, <laughs> no. I guess. <laughs> it was just something that crossed my mind. I always thought was kind of weird. Um, well, a couple more things photography wise I wanted to talk about. Um, I saw that you're like a big Lego fan. Yeah, of course. And I was wondering when's the last time you built a Lego set? Oh fuck, this is a good one. Uh, my my daddy's okay now, but he was super sick a few months ago and he was in the hospital and we kind of needed something to pass the time with my mom and my brother and we bought this Lego set, which is incredible. It's uh, it's like a cabin in the woods Lego set that came out this year. Cool. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not as much of a Lego head as a lot of the people that have gotten in touch with me since I posted my series photographing different Legos and stuff yeah. like that. but. I think it's like a it's like a seminal Lego set that came out this year. It's really important. It like sell, they sell out. And we they, we happened to stumble on it at Rideau Center when I was here. When my dad was sick. We bought it and it's beautiful. How like, many pieces? I don't I don't know, but it's like a you know like what a, was the price tag? Like That'll a three hundred dollar box oh, okay. or something. So that's right? a big one. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a cabin. You can remove the windows. You can remove the roof. It's like down. The details are incredible. Like there's actually one of the guys who lives in the cabin's a photographer. There's like wine bottles. There's a little fried egg in a pan. Like there's cool. like there's like the septic tank stuff. The hookups in the back to like the stovepipe. It's incredible. Wow. So that was the last one I'd built. Um, pretty recent. Then, really, yeah. really recently. And prior to that, it's probably been at least 20 years. That's not true. I built one maybe 10 years ago of like a little Ferrari with my mom or something like that. But I, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I love Lego. It's I get to build them with my kids sometimes. Super so, cool. Yeah. yeah. I saw your, all, all your uh, minifigures back there. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, man, it, that, that minifigure project came about because there was a poster years ago that I remember seeing in my like older cousin's bedroom and it was a bunch of like minifigures and I was like fuck I want to recreate that with like modern technology and shoot it for real with yeah. like the super camera and um and you know it sort of sort of spawned this like revisiting of all the you know all the Lego sets that my parents had my old Lego sets that my parents had still in their basement and stuff like that so I don't think the Le Lego will ever go out of fashion like I feel like it'll always have an audience I want to go to the museum in Where Denmark. Is that? It's in oh, Denmark. It's Denmark. Lego's Danish. And uh, and there's a museum there that's incredible that was, you know, opened in the last decade or so. And it's, it's like, really old, too. It's like from the 30s or something. It's really, I think. really old. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I looked at the history a little bit. And the minifigures, like the actual little guys, they, uh, they only came out in like the late 70s, early 80s. Prior to that, it was just 
you know, the Lego sets consisted of building buildings and cars and stuff like that. But the, but the minifigures is sort of like a relatively recent thing, like within our lifetime, I would say. Um, and then it's really exploded, obviously, now where mm. some people just collect the minifigures. And I saw a video that was uh, like the 10 most valuable Lego figures in the world. That was I'd love super to watch interesting. that. I would yeah, love yeah. to watch that. Because a lot of them were like ones that they gave out at like employee parties. You're right. And there's only 25 of them in the world or something. If you work for Lego, your business card, I, I don't know if it's still like this, but for a while you'd have like a minifigure made of your likeness wow and that's how you'd like that's what you'd give people if you were at a convention you give them a lego figure with your email and phone number i guess on the back of the lego figurine that looks like you now and, you can probably do that easily with like a 3d printer and just yeah. make yourself well, in lego the lego shit's obviously never ending but there's there's uh, guys that make custom pieces 3d printed custom pieces so you can like you know really Mod, I've seen some. There's kit. some that are like inappropriate too. Yeah, yeah. I saw can, somebody made a um, a set for what's that? A Boogie Nights set, like a sex dungeon you <laughs> yeah. can do or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, it's cool. Yeah. So, but even yeah. a lot of those guys are not uh, official licensed products. It's like people who are like, "Hey, we want this Marvel character," and they they're not making them, so we're gonna make it. That's and cool. You can tell there's like a bit of a quality. They're not bad, but, but they're not mass produced or they don't not. fit with the other like official accessories and shit like that. They won't. Mm -hmm. They just feel a bit off. But yeah, I modded my uh, my cabin a little bit. The one that I got that Lego kid I got. I put antlers on the wall. <laughs> no, it seems fitting. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something weird, like I got a spaceport in the back. No, and... no, no, no. I just put some. I just put some antlers. I thought a cabin in the woods needed antlers. Yeah. That, so I bought the piece and stick it on. There. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, shit. Well, oh, this is a fun one. I I know that your work there's a a lot of nostalgia and a lot of Canadiana, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. So I was wondering if there is a TV show, a Canadian TV show, that's the most nostalgic for you. That's a really good question. Um, do you remember the Edson Twins? I think the Edson Twins. All. I think the Edson Twins was a TVO production. It was about these twins, a guy and a girl. It was set in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, it was on before, like I think it was on at like seven a.m. before school. I mean, I'm like two or three years older than you, so maybe it like ended. But the Edson, I never heard of it. The Edson Twins was uh, was one I remember watching, and they would like use science to solve puzzles and crimes and stuff. So it was live action? It was like a, it was like a recorded, uh, yeah. no laugh track. It was like a recorded uh, show. No, but it wasn't animated. Or no, 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 okay. no. It is live action. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the Edson twins. I remember that uh, really vividly. Um, I just went to this thing. Um, my kid's school, he's in kindergarten, just about to be done. And they went uh, to the civilization museum and there's this whole exhibit there right now. That's all about old Canadian TV shows. So really? Got, yeah. So they've got like, um, you know, the pokeroo is there and uh, like that treehouse thing from Mr. Dress Up that he always had out in the tree. And there's like uh, one of the Degrassi jackets that they wore. It's really cool to go just go check out old Canadian TV. I, and I haven't stepped inside that museum for 20 years probably. So I'd love to check it out. That's really neat. Uh, yeah, you know, I got to come to Ottawa more. That's like the more time I spend here, I feel kind of foolish for, um, I mean, we got a cottage sort of 2017, like a family place that's halfway between here and Toronto. And nice. I, I started spending way more time there than, you know, and it's great too. Cause I went from seeing my parents like two or three times a year to like two or three times a month. But because it's closer than Ottawa and it's kind of a halfway point, I sort of, you know, neglected to come here as much as I'd like you to. I love trip. Yeah. Dude, I love this city so much, Same here. you know, and I felt that yesterday we were out for dinner at a place called uh parlor. It's this like beautiful restaurant in Westboro. And like, I'm just like, 
you know, and we drove through downtown and I was, I was showing my girlfriend like, um, you know, Elgin and the market and yeah. all, all that stuff. And I was just like, it's such a great city. Um, I really got to spend more time here. And, and like, just talking about that museum, like I'd love to go and check out, you know, the galleries. There's and, a lot to do here for it, sure. Yeah. And the biking here is awesome. I've been really getting into cycling because I don't get wasted every night anymore. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> I get, uh, really more and more into like the nerdy ass history of Ottawa and, and Kelly couldn't give a shit. I've talked, tried to be like, no, we should go and see this or that, whatever, because yeah. I read about it online. But I think that's just that thing of getting older, too. You start to really, like, feel attached to a place that you came up in and of you start course. to want to know about, like, what well, what happened here before? I saw these. I think I told you about this. There's these old videos on YouTube of, like, somebody driving basically from around here to downtown. And it's like the 60s. And, like, there's one part where they go down Clyde or whatever it is. I think it's Clyde. And there's this church that I drive by still. And it looks exactly the fucking same. Yeah. It's so weird knowing it's like 1964 or whatever in this video. I Again, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the podcast that we did last time. But there is a video of Beacon Hill when it's being built. Really? Yeah, it's, Shit. It's, I'd love and to it's, see that. And it's high quality. Eight, and actually, Terry, it's a, it's a lot of it's around DeSalaberry, too. Like a lot of the, like the houses that... Uh, the houses that um, you know, those like the the houses like where the condominiums. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, those Loyola, houses are yeah. they're like you could see them like they're like putting up board like they're building it's probably like the seventies or something. I think 60s. it's late seventies. It's called the Beacon Hill Bus because the actual documentary. It's National Film Board. You could look it up. The actual um, uh, National Film Board. What's really weird about it is that it's HD because it was shot in thirty five mil, so like Hollywood oh, movie shit. level quality. And it's about a commuter bus. It's a school bus getting people from downtown to Beacon Hill because at the time that this was being shot, Beacon Hill was at like at the far fringe of like how far yeah. the city extended no before they yeah. went in past the Green Belt. Yeah. So it's this high quality HD video made by the National Film Board about this bus that takes people from Beacon Hill and commutes them to downtown where they go to work in their office. Hmm. And it's and it's all really beautiful HD shots of Beacon Hill. And oh, I told look. the guys at Dominion City Brewing about it because they're super into like Beacon Hill and the history of it and stuff yeah. like that too. And um, anyway, so I, I think that um, if you, anyone want to check that out, like it's 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 a, it's there for free. So it's just watch. on YouTube, or uh, it's you go through the NFB National Film Board okay. website, type in Beacon Hill in the search, and I think it's yeah, I'm going to watch that like tonight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, I've got one more photography thing I want to ask you, which is uh, if you weren't a photographer, what do you think you would have pursued for a career? Um, I think at this point, I don't know if I would answer this question the same way 20 years ago, but I think I would like to maybe be like a product designer, mm. um, or work in design or architecture, something like that. Something I think creative still, yeah. something creative for sure. And I think that like, I, I have an affinity for just like aesthetic layout and you know, what feels good and what looks good. And I, I think I'm relatively good at it. And I think that I could translate that into, um, you know, design or, you know, I'm not sure what kind of interior design, landscape design, but I, I think I could, I could probably excel at something like that nature if I had to do it over. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's get into the fun, silly, random questions. Uh-huh. Cause we've done enough reminiscing and talking about Beacon Hill. And, um, what's the stupidest thing you ever did on a dare? Ooh, I got into a really cold lake. I know it's probably not like as wild as some answers, but I got into a really cold lake with like. You could get like, hypothermia. That's yeah. risky, I guess. Uh, it was at Mike Schultz's cottage, you know, circa 1999. And somebody dared me to jump into the lake in like early May. There's like definitely still ice in the lake. And I got in and swam, <laughs> swam around and I was probably stoned and drunk and stupid. Yeah, it's still pretty innocent, I will admit. That's not that. Uh, <laughs> Crazy, but okay. If you had to get a tattoo today, what would it be? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, 
Well, I'll answer it this way. When I was in Henry Monroe, 13, 14 years old, I, I really wanted to get a tattoo and I wanted to get Alien Workshop was the hot shit skateboard brand at the time. And I wanted I to get an alien, an alien on my leg. And thank God <laughs> I didn't do that because right now I'd probably be really embarrassed or it'd be cool again because it'd probably look like you know, so Retro. bad that it's actually cool. Uh, I mean, an alien, yeah, that's not the worst tattoo. Like a gray alien head uh, yeah. on my leg is what I wanted. There's uh, way worse tattoos. Really? Can, I thought that was Yeah, you could be stuck with like the Tasmanian devil or something, you know? Bad. So I guess this is what I'll, I'll answer. If I had to get a tattoo again, I would get an alien... <laughs> <laughs> an alien on my leg, just like I wanted when I was 12 years old or 13. You don't have any tattoos? No, then? I got no tattoos. Okay. Wow. Um, what is your most treasured pos uh, possession? Right now? The Lego cabin, is it? No. <laughs> that? Uh, my most treasured possession. Right now, this is Rolex. Oh, damn. Yeah, I, I went and did something stupid and bought myself a watch. It's a baller watch, yeah. I guess, but that's a kind of cheesy answer. Um, I haven't worn a watch in like... 20 years i i just started getting into them uh like last year because i was turning 40 and i had a good year and i'm like i want to buy myself something cool i want to buy a rolex it's like 90 percent about the fashion at this point and i guess technology so. right yeah for sure but well, the longer you wear it the more you sort of stare at it and freak out about how credible the like the movement is and stuff and how like the precision that goes into it but i didn't know anything about watches and then i um uh then I like told myself I'm going to buy myself a Rolex and I didn't know anything about it, but there's like a global shortage of them. They're impossible to get. So you can walk into any jewelry store and they actually don't have any available. And you basically have to like audition to be eligible to buy a Rolex. I didn't Crazy. know any of this. I didn't know any of this. So it must like, mean they're worth even more now. I, I guess. Yeah, so I went shortage. in and got shot down and then I, you know, then I went to, I was in Amsterdam and I was in, uh, in Brussels and I went and talked to them there and they're like, yeah, there's a global shortage. You can't get one. We're not even taking people for the waiting list. And then I did a, video with Peter McKinnon where we did a uh, series of watch photography and I shot this like family heirloom or yeah, like, one of his father's yeah. like Rolex, gold Rolexes. I shot it with the crazy camera and did it. And then I was like, now I really want one. And then <laughs> he pulled some strings cause he's got a crazy watch collection. And then we drone. He's got mad subscribers on YouTube, right? Like almost 6 million. Subscribers. Oh, he's a full blown celebrity. He's an influencer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, anyway, so he's a big watch guy and he pulled some strings and I went and and got one. So I guess that's my prized possession, sort of, but it's just such a corny. You don't strike me, honestly, as a materialistic dude at all. I like nice shit, but I'm not like blinged out, like wearing Prada or anything. You know, I, I appreciate it. But I if like... you lost it tomorrow, I don't think you'd be like. If I lost this watch, I'd be pretty pissed, but, um, well that, <laughs> but I think like, uh, no, I don't, I don't think that I, I could be happy with not a lot. I think yeah. there's a real, what I really genuinely love so much is, um, you know, more than anything is, uh, you know, people that have so much skill in terms of making a space beautiful that you can do it in any sp and I almost love that challenge like I, when I'm when I'm traveling around and I see like a really weird looking kind of like old Soviet apartment block with these crazy balconies overlooking like a field in Germany and I'm like fuck man imagine that's your place it's a blank slate how are you going to make it cool what furniture are you going to put in there mm. and like really like having nothing and like being able to orchestrate a beautiful like space that people want to people want to hang out in with nothing is something that I, I really I love the challenge I think it's so fun and so interesting so I think that you're right like I think I can make I'd like to think I can make a place look cool with not a lot you know yeah minimalistic with stuff you found stuff you find on Kijiji you know like yeah. as, as a project like let's build a cabin but the rule is only stuff you find on Kijiji or for free 
you know, yeah. or, or, or let's, let's build a, like a hangout or a living room with only, you know, pieces that we find at antique stores or something. Yeah. I guess I was almost surprised that you have a Rolex when you, I wasn't, I, expecting. I never thought of myself as like a, a dude that would have one. I yeah. almost, I almost kind of like wanted to do it to do the opposite of what I always, you know, I had a cool couple cool cars and stuff like that, but I'm not like a, he's wearing the Rolex ironically guys. It's cool. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but the fucked up thing is, is that I got one and immediately you fall into like, I want another one. Oh, get a collection. Just like with going. everything else. You know what I mean? And with it's their like, Air Jordans or I'm whatever I'm not it is. immune to it. You know? Hey, I'm not going to judge people for collections. Look at this place. Jesus. I know. <laughs> I'm the same. Like, I, I'm not immune to it. You know, like, yeah. I do have that part of me where I'm like, fuck, I got one. Now I want another one. And the same thing with a lot of things like accolades or, you know, properties or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, fuck it. I want another one. I want another one. You know what I mean? And it, you could drive yourself crazy. Or we could go back to alcohol with that too, right? I want another one. I want another one. And this think feels good. This dopamine rush. I'm, I'm enjoying this. You know? that part of your brain for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what's, do you have a personal mantra? <sighs> uh, no, I don't know. Or I, something that you live by, I guess. I definitely want to try as hard as I can at whatever it is I do, whether it's working out, whether it's photography, whether Give it it's your all. not being a piece of shit. Like I definitely think that like, and it's maybe, I don't know. It's such a cliche thing to say too, but like, I think it's just like to try as hard as I can or whatever I'm doing, make it the best, Yeah, you know? That's good advice. Yeah. It's a simple answer, but yeah, I'm not going to hate on that. Um, what's been the most humbling moment in your life so far? Ooh. COVID. Oh, yeah. COVID. Watching myself fall apart, I think. A lot of what you already touched on, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I think that was the most humbling. Like, it's like, like what happens when they take it all away? What happens when, what happens when it, the emails stop and the phone calls stop? And, and you going, don't know what's coming. And you're going from, you're a guy that everybody, well, you know, to a point, I think everybody wants a piece of and like you're in high demand and like, you know, like the phone's blowing up and you're almost like, fuck, leave me alone. I just want five minutes. And just like, oh yeah, nothing. Yeah. How, about, how about that? And you're like, what am I without this? I'm a fucking drunk. Oh, well. You know, that's what it was. And I think that was like the most humbling moment. And it really is a kind of like, you know, reassess everything in my life. Well, yeah, as often happens with humbling moments, it can be like a, you know, springboard for a better future self. Yeah. Right on. Well, I'm glad you went through that then in a way, as much as it must have sucked at the time. Thanks, man. Uh, is there an album that you'll never get sick of? That you can listen to like, you know, front to back and still hits yeah i'm trying to think uh, there's an there's a electronic artist that i love uh named vitalik he's a french dj okay and he has a an album that came out in the late 2000s called uh like 2008 or something called okay pony and uh i mean it's real if anyone actually goes out and finds it they're gonna be like this guy's fucking crazy but listens to this <laughs> over and over but i i feel like yeah electronic doesn't <laughs> seem like the kind of thing i would always be in the mood for i for some reason i can just put it on i just like go you know and i i love i think that's it's a weird answer but i think that's uh it's honest yeah, yeah i'm gonna have to check it I out love, i love vitalik and it's like yeah i've never even heard of him yeah cool um if you were a ghost who would you haunt oh god <laughs> that's a weird question if i, I was a ghost who would i haunt oh man who would i like so, so i would be haunting somebody who's alive right now yeah and haunting I, I don't think necessarily has to mean like you're terrorizing them but that you're popping up in their life you could be like casper style you know and just kind of like 
I think Donald Trump. I'm like, fast, I'm fascinated <laughs> by that guy. I'm fascinated by his resiliency. Like he's just like bulletproof to everything. He's like 78 years old or however old he is. And he's got 10 trials going on and he's still got time to go insult people <laughs> on national television. And he seems cool as a cucumber sometimes doing it too. And I'd be like, well, what if a fucking ghost was haunting him? Like he'd probably be fine. He'd be like, I've got the best ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I know. So yeah, that's like, I guess, I guess that's who I would haunt. Okay. Awesome. Um, is there a terrible flick that you thoroughly enjoy? Bad movie? Yeah, like a like a horrible movie by Dude, all accounts. The most horrible movie is fucking Sleepaway Camp, the first one. I never heard of it's, that. So Sleepaway Camp was a series of horror movies. It's like it's a camp horror movie. Friday the Thirteenth. Slasher flick. Slasher flick. Okay. Friday the Thirteenth is like part of that whole family. But Friday the Thirteenth, the first one's actually a really good movie, mm -hmm. despite the fact Kevin that, Bacon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might have been his debut film. I think it's actually, so. it's actually a really good movie. Just like Depp was in uh, Elm Street. He was yeah. in the first one. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. So, but Sleepaway Camp is not good. And it's really, it's so bad that it's amazing. Uh, and, and Sleepaway Camp, like the, you know, the number two, number three, number four, actually, I think probably did okay in box office whenever they came out. Like they're like known movies. Well, they probably learned to lean into the satire of it Dude, all, right? It's the first one's so bad. Like around Halloween, I usually go through like and watch a bunch of like 80s horror slasher flicks because I just, I don't know, it feels good. Yeah. But feels like the appropriate time of year to be doing it. But Sleepaway Camp Volume 1 is the weirdest, worst, shittiest movie. And they were trying to make a scary movie, they I They were trying to make yeah. a real movie. It, it feels, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, check it out. I think you, I, knowing the stuff that you're into, I think you'd really find it funny. I like watching uh, B-movies and, and shit where it's almost like better that it's bad, you know? Yeah. Even like um, the Evil Dead movies. Like everyone knows Army of Darkness. That was the third one that got, I think, the most. I don't know Evil Dead that well. I think I've tried to you watch it Check it, it out. Yeah, because yeah, it was like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and maybe a couple other guys in college. And they just kind of like filmed it for whatever money they could scrounge together in this cabin in the woods. And the first one, you can tell they're trying to make like a horror movie, but they go way too overboard on blood and just like the things that are happening. It's just a little bit too crazy. So it becomes kind of farcical when you're watching it. Uh, and then the second one, I feel like they leaned into it a little more and they're like okay let's have fun with that people are coming back they enjoyed the first one let's go uh -huh. into that campiness and then the third one army of darkness is the one that arguably i think had the biggest that one for sure i think had a theatrical release yeah. and it was and that one was like full comedy and what era was it 80s uh yeah the first two must have been the 80s i think army of darkness if it was the 90s it was like 1990 or somewhere around there like really early but it might have even been late 80s cool yeah and well they did like a show though a revival uh, of him now is like an, the character is older and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a TV show now. So, but it's it's good shit. Yeah, I'll check it out, man. There's some weird shit too, though. There's like uh, obviously all these demons trying to kill these uh, college kids that are away at this cabin for the weekend. Kind of simple setup, you know. But there's demons everywhere, and there's like if I remember correctly, this like tree that's like alive that like rapes a chick like i remember watching this the branches. i've seen this i've seen this movie before that's I, not a good selling point I no suppose, no no but, but dude like the, the the scene you're describing it's like, fucked I, up I, I yeah feel, i feel like i've seen it at some point i don't know maybe in some like older teenagers fucking weird or was on tv late yeah, or something, or something yeah like, i don't remember I, I don't even remember my brother used to show me these when i was probably too young and yeah uh that's where i was exposed to it but cool army of darkness i think i might have watched with my dad because that one's the most tame and it's really just a comedy that's the one where he uh i believe that's the one where he gets his hand cut off or maybe it happened in the previous movie but that's the one where he attaches a chainsaw to his stump or whatever you know I've, I, I, you saying that again i feel like i've seen it at some point well the the third one army of darkness is really cool because he's the first two are set in like modern day 
and at this cabin or whatever. And the guy works at like a, like a Walmart type place. And in the third one, he somehow gets shunted back in time to like medieval times and he's got his shotgun and that's pretty much it. And, uh, you know, there's a, this really funny, famous scene where he's saying, he's talking to the peasants and basically trying to get control and saying, like, you see this, this is my boomstick. And you know, it's just a very iconic scene. You could look it up. I'm sure on YouTube. Um, shit, man, I, that's pretty much it. I know we've been going for a while. You guys got a party to go to and I got to go pick up my kids soon. So, uh, I have the season four question. I've been asking everybody this season, which is, uh, what's the shittiest job you've ever had? McDonald's. <laughs> Just hard stuff. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that a little Dude, bit? Dude, It was like, I was fuck man. Like, uh, I worked at the one in Beacon Hill that's gone now. Yeah. Like, I think it was it's the like uh, Arby's now. I think, uh, Popeye's chicken. Oh, it's, it was yeah. an Arby's for a while. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then, dude, like, they made you, this is like the right in the age where I had the acne and you had to be clean shaven. Mm. So, like, I'm in, like, I'm in the grease pit basically getting covered, you know, like, made my acne like 10 times worse. I, like, missed a really fun summer too. It was like, you know, summer between like grade 11 and grade 12, like, tons of keg parties and river parties and all this, like, awesome shit. And I was like, you know, you're like working, working for $6 an hour. <laughs> working for $6 an hour, working the fry machine, like, getting tortured over there. And I got fired. How? Uh, they said they saw me smoking a cigarette on my shift, and it was actually bullshit. I didn't do like it. Inside the restaurant? <laughs> That's or what just... I said. I was like, no I, no, I didn't. Yeah. And they couldn't even prove it? No, but it didn't matter. Brutal. Yeah. So I got all that, you know. Some dog shit. Some dog shit. But well, yeah, I imagine your skin probably didn't get any better because you were probably eating the food, too, right? You got employee discount or something? So, dude, it was uh, when they still had the pizzas. Oh, yeah, McDonald's pizzas. They still had the that. pizzas, and, like, they... Um, they uh, they had the chicken nuggets, and what we do is we take the pizza and turn it into like a taco, and put the chicken nuggets on the middle, and then there would be like a like a taco pizza with the chicken nuggets. Like, dude, it, it's horrific <laughs> amount of like you know whatever's in that, but like it, it tasted amazing. Obviously, I was showing up at shifts high, and like that's like the yeah. first thing I would eat, and then like working at a job like that when you're high is pretty sweet. I guess so, but it's also <laughs> high stress. Like, it was actually one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Like thinking like about when there was a rush or something. Oh, dude, yeah. and like some of them at, like six in the morning shifts. You know, when you're yeah. like. 15 years old waking up at like five in the morning and like going up the hill to work at McDonald's for eight hours. Like it was really hard. I worked around that age in the Saint Laurent food court. I, I probably talked about this on the show, but uh, it was a place just called hot dog. Really? Yeah. It was like this independently owned place that was actually owned by the guy who owned the beaver tails place, which was also in there. And he was this Dutch entrepreneur or whatever. And eventually he, when business got worse, he merged them. So it was hot dog and beaver tails in this weird hybrid. <laughs> it was the weirdest job you could possibly have. Hey, where do you work? Hot dog? I work at hot dog. <laughs> like, is that what you serve? Well, yes, but it's also the name of the place. Go, so here's another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, like what's up with, like, you know, these malls are like hanging on by a thread. Like I walked into Plaster Orleans like 10 years ago and it's like hanging on by a thread. Like yeah. I can't imagine what it looks like 10 years after that. Like I was there not long ago, yeah. Yeah, like I wonder what is the deal, like, cause it's like, it, I remember when these places were new, like these cathedrals of commerce built like right in like the yeah. middle of the nineties, like the state of the art, like shooting fountain in the middle. Coolest of, place you could be. Coolest place you could be. The teenagers are there. The fucking skate shop was in there. Like yeah. Foot Locker and all that the stuff. Cat stores, which we don't have anymore. Yeah. Probably for the best, but still. I have, I have nostalgic like positive memories of pet stores as a kid yeah and it's like barely alive like i'd love to i don't know 
convey that sense of nostalgia somehow photographically, I think. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I will admit that I'm still like a mall rat. Like I, when I go to the mall, when we have to get something or the kids want to go for something, like I low key still love it. I, I just love all the people walking, the people watching. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing I will say though is, yeah, the stores are way shittier than when we were kids. What's happened all in Toronto? All clothes and shoes. And What's happened in Toronto, and I'm sure it's the same case here, where there's like one or two malls that are transitioning to being like a luxury you know, like yeah. there's like the Apple store and there's like a Prada store and Louis Vuitton and a, you know, like a jewelry store and like, yeah. uh, you know, like, or like up until recently like end, Nordstrom's like, or whatever. Yeah. And, and then there's like, so there's, there's a, those malls. And then like, like the kind of anything else is just like turned into this, like half the malls, a gym and then like half yeah. it's abandoned or it's like, they're selling like fake purses. It's like, that's like, sort of, there's no in between. It's like either it's like for billionaires or like, yeah. or it's like, you know, borderline like a bazaar you know <laughs> yeah totally it's weird it's yeah i miss carpets and malls too you know that, do, yeah. do you remember Probably um, gross really but when plaster leans opened they still had smoking inside no i don't and they used to have that. the ashtrays filled with sand like by all the benches and stuff oh, crazy. like that I, rem- I like i vividly remember that yeah like, that's the the few years difference in our age it's like true. a lot of things change i when i was in grade nine just starting to smoke cigarettes i remember going to like pizza hut with our, my friends and smoking in there there's ashtrays in the pizza hut for sure yeah and like timmy's i think you could still smoke but, absolutely but you could smoke it was yeah. gone not long after a lot of that stuff's really valuable too like the mcdonald's ashtrays and stuff on ebay they're oh, yeah, I I can mean, valuable being like you know 80 bucks or something but like the like little disposable tin ashtrays from mcdonald's and a lot of that stuff is uh smoke the fact that there were smoking sections especially in a place where you're going to eat is mind-blowing they to still me have to it in the about. states though man like it's you so weird. still have it you go to las vegas you can like i remember being there like relatively recently when i was shooting that um those wax portraits of a damn tussauds yeah and i remember being in the casino like brand new escalator smoking a cigarette going down an escalator like in, like that kind of almost makes sense just because it's vegas it's a casino but it's statewide and i think texas might have it too and i think up until recently florida did too like you're like literally still texas does because whenever you watch the kill tony shows and stuff they're People just smoking, smoking butts on yeah. stage yeah it's crazy. I mean, yeah, to each their own. If that's the kind of environment you want to be in, that's cool. But it, it, in specific to eating, it always seemed really weird to me. Because no one who isn't a smoker should have to have their olfactory senses bombarded with something that's generally not considered to smell very good while they're trying to eat, which is uh-huh. largely influenced by your sense of smell. You know I'm what old I mean? enough to remember it on planes, too. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Or like doctors smoking. Dude. <laughs> I remember, still remember the sound because you weren't allowed to smoke until the seatbelt sign was turned off. Mm. So as soon as you got to like cruising altitude, the seatbelt sign comes off and you can just hear everybody lighting up the Zippos clinking and then like the, and then like the, of All like, the coughing that yeah. ensued. And like you're, and you're on a steel <laughs> tube in the sky and you're, there's a smoking section and non-smoking section on a plane. That's anyway. so, yeah. I mean, just the concept that they're going to be able to contain like a gas essentially is, is it's fucked. kind of ridiculous. <laughs> you don't have a force field. Jesus. Anyways. Well, we'll, we'll wrap it on that. All right, man. McDonald's is terrible. And <laughs> I learned a lot. Firing Piotr for not yeah, smoking. Saved my life. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Man. High dude, five, man. Any, anytime, dude. Yeah. I'm sure you'll make a, a return appearance some point down the line. Thanks. And uh, I'm really glad to hear your dad's doing better too, man. Thank you very much. Although I hope that doesn't keep you from coming to Ottawa. No, no, I'll be here, man. Thank you for having me. And, and Terry, thanks a lot yeah, for taking Yeah, thanks, time Terry. Really nice to reconnect. Right on. That's Peace. it. Peace.